Rockstar faces a leaky teapot. The motive behind Iron Man. That was good. Every time. I'm telling you, you are dead on the money. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck. And alongside me, as always, Mr. Uh, Chris Higgs. Hi. Also, I don't know if you saw last week because I know you never watched the video, but nice. I edited your name card to stop instead of saying Chris Figs because last week you said <laughs> Mr. Chris Figs. So I put Mr. in there. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. Don't worry about it, Mr. Chris Figs. Thanks. Thanks. Man. Does that make you feel old? Are you one of those people? Because, you know, I'm from the South. So there's that preamble that sometimes happens when I'm on the phone because I deal with a lot of companies that are in like East Coast, West Coast, and then, uh, of course, mm-hmm. places like New York. And so sometimes I deal with people who essentially Southern manners that are just beaten into you as a child with a bag of oranges, um, great against them. Mm-hmm. And like you say, yes, ma'am, to someone and they're like, I'm not... I'm not 90. I'm not my mother. My mother was, you know, you're like, yeah. okay, okay. No, I'm sorry. I feel like it does make me feel old, but I can't not, I can't be mad at it because I do it all the time. Like, I just do it to be polite. Like, I'll be like, thanks, man. Like, literally to like a younger kid at the gas station. Like, there are kids at the gas station younger than me. I'll be like, thanks, sir. You know, appreciate that, man. It's nothing to do with it. I fucking, I fucking called my girlfriend, man, the other day and she got so mad, but I just, that's just the way I talk. <laughs> See, why is is like is that a big thing up there or do you think that's like is it family or is it more culture of the whole area no it's just something i started doing that's stuck like i started when as a joke when i was a kid anytime someone burped i would say god bless you <laughs> and <laughs> it's gotten to the point where like at work people will burp and someone else will say bless you because i do it so often <laughs> and but no one's ever questioned me on it and that's kind of the same thing with man it's like i'll just say it because i know it's polite you know what i mean or it's considered polite so then i'll do it it's it's weird right because when you're talking about manners you want them to be second nature but you also want to you don't want the answer to be that you only did it because it's your second nature it, it you're supposed to mean it like if you're if no. you and that's ridiculous i don't ever mean it hold on hold on my point being is that do you find yourself saying yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am, or yes, sir, or no, sir, all that to someone who you don't believe deserves it realistically? Like maybe not as like your your normal, right? As a baseline, it's fine. But do you find yourself having like someone be an asshole to you and you'd be like, oh, thank you, sir? No, I wouldn't. Because you don't want that to be. You want to be like, you got to earn this, sir, you piece of, you know, that's that's how well, it goes. I always just see it as like, if I have a pleasant rea- or interaction with a cashier, I'm going to be pleasant to leaving when I'm leaving. And being pleasant when I'm leaving is like, thank you, ma'am, or thank you. Yeah. I don't no, necessarily I every time say that, ma'am or sir, but I do. And like, sometimes it's a joke. Like when, when I did it to her, I was just, she handed me something. I was like, oh, thanks, ma'am. And then she just got mad that I called her ma'am. I was like, I wasn't being serious. I wasn't joking. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Uh, it reminds me of when I was a kid, or I guess a teenager, in ninth grade, one of my buddies who uh, had moved here from Arizona, and that's where they had always lived. And we ended up going to the movies to see Resident Evil 3. Which one was the one with like all the crows? I don't know. Whichever. <laughs> they all start. Uh, Revelations, I think, was maybe the name. I don't remember. Um 
But point being, we went to go see that theater and we went with his mom. She took us because they were big fans of that movie franchise. So I kind of tagged along and we were driving to the movies and I was going to stay the night with him after the movies. And I kept saying, yes, ma'am. And I didn't even notice like the first two times I said it, but she was apparently like wincing. And then by the third time that I said, yes, ma'am, she turned around and said, listen, if you call me ma'am again, I'm going to slam your head into that seat. <laughs> I was terrified. I was like 13 and I was like, <gasps> like yes, mommy. Oh, dude, she was incredibly cool. He ended up staying for like a year and a half before they moved back to uh, yes. to Arizona. But she was a very different type of mom than what you typically see in the area that I'm from. And it was just wild because like they would cuss at each other and like just yell at each other like it was completely normal. She'd be like, Tyler, you didn't take out the fucking trash. <laughs> <laughs> it's just very interesting. And, and it was like what not even because like, they were mad. But it was also like a ter- like an endearment thing. Mm-hmm. She'd wake us up in the morning before she'd leave and be like, get up, you little fuckers. I made you all breakfast. And then walk out <laughs> the door. And it's just like, okay, cool. You human pieces of filth. I have, I have sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. So, But she was really cool. Uh, anyway, if you're new to the show, first and foremost, welcome. Uh, we hope you enjoy what you end up hearing if you do stick around. We have a number of things we're going to talk about today. Of course, there's the infamous, at this point, Grand Theft Auto 6 leak, as well as some leaks, apparently, for Diablo that came about as well. Uh, There's stuff going on with a new Iron Man game and a whole bunch more about PSVR and some controversy surrounding it. But we always start this show off in a time-honored way. We've done it since episode one. And that's a quick checkup on what each of us are playing so that we can give you guys ideas on what we're playing uh, if you've played it, you can chat us up about it. Or if you're looking for something new to play, you might get something on your radar that you didn't have before. So this week, I want to start off with Chris again, as usual. And I guess, Chris, go ahead and tell everybody how you are still... You've become a monogamous gamer. <laughs> yes, I've settled down and I have committed to one game. My 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 days of being a a bachelor are over. Yeah, you'll never play Apex again. Those guilty Maybe. thumbs have got no rhythm. What can I say? I'm just riding through the Wild West. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still only I'm still only playing Red Dead. I don't know. <sighs> what else, I don't know what else to say. Red Dead Two is really good. It's just really, really good. Everyone knows that. And that's why people made fun of me so much. <laughs> I'm proud of you. You're proud of me. Thanks, Dad. I am proud of you. Since our episode where we said we'd work on our our habits, you've definitely done that for I just one game. It's crazy. I just I'm like wondering what it says. The biggest thing that I've noticed, right? The biggest takeaway is I know you've only been playing that game realistically because for since I've known you, mm-hmm. honestly, Chris. Okay. And since we've been game sharing, which is like two years now at this point, yeah, coming up on it. All right. So every week I see you download at least 20 games. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a little hyperbole, but every week I feel like I can count seven to 10 games that you've installed. Probably. And I have not seen you do that in about a month other than Deathloop. That's the only thing I can even <laughs> point at that you downloaded since you've been playing Red Dead, and it was because you said you would download Deathloop again. So. I did say I would. I've downloaded a couple more. 
I have downloaded a couple of things besides that, but it wasn't anything. It was like I downloaded, um, which I guess I can put in here, even though I didn't play a ton of it. I played uh, Little Hope, the Dark Pictures anthology. I literally, yeah, you did tell me that. I played that to. I, oh, I only I didn't play it, right? Like I handed the controller to Sadie, and I was like, "Here, have fun, try this," and <laughs> she played Man, uh, Little Hope. Like that was all it was. I didn't play it actually, but I watched it, and that game certainly has an opening and a beginning. It was cool, but yeah, it's, it's wait did did she play the entire thing? No, she played because we were going to see um, the Ghost of Blake Poke recommended Barbarian, which is quite a good mm. movie. So we went to see Barbarian. So for the like hour or two before that, we played Little Hope, some Stardew Valley, mm, and nice. I try. I actually tried to play. I tried to play Sims 4 with her because as a feminist, I know that women only play The Sims. And <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to get her to play something that I thought she might like. And, the, you know, so I put on The Sims 4 and even I couldn't figure out the UI. So I was like, well, let's try something else. <laughs> How ironic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's funny you say Don't that you because uh, one of my. Yeah. Calm down there, Alanis. It's like rain. One of my friends uh, who bought my computer, actually, my old computer that sat around forever, she was looking for a computer to play The Sims on. (laughs) And so she (laughs) bought mine because she was like, well, it'll do... She's like, and it was. It was overkill for The Sims, but I mean, you know, not a problem to have. And I cut her a good deal on it because I was tired of it just sitting in my house. But it was funny that that's a pretty common thing. I do know a lot of women who are like, oh, yeah, I play games. I'm like, oh, yeah, what do you like? And they're like, oh, I love The Sims. Oh, yeah. Cool. And The Sims is good. It's just every woman I've ever dated who I'm like, do you play video games? Like, yeah, I play The Sims. I'm like, I don't, but that's cool. Do you? I mean, it's a game. Yeah, they're they're definitely qualifying. Yeah. Yeah, you can Uh, can click on things. And what I want to hear a girl just whisper in my ear is Roller Coaster Tycoon 2. One she of the has greatest games of all time. Yeah. Now that uh, yeah, it's funny to talk about Simslish. We've talked about it plenty of times, but I actually have never really loved a Sims game except for the Game Boy Advance and DS version of Sims: Herbs in the City. And I th- I've yeah. talked about this on the podcast before. Yeah, you have, but it's so good. It, I have vivid memories of Daddy Big Bucks, my guy, showers breaking. But it's also I think that. Them trying to simple like simplify the Sims mechanics down into something where you have free control of your character that you can run in real time, but also make it something that works in a handheld environment where you need to play in short burst. It's mm-hmm. the perfect mix. It, it's it kind of reminds me of that thing where a game can have simple mechanics, and you can find that the for some reason the simple mechanics that are meant to be able to be played in like a quick burst can suddenly just hook you and you play this very quick gameplay loop for like. 10 hours straight and you're like mm-hmm. what have I done with my life <laughs> comes with the waters though um, it's not quite the same but I've been playing Conan Exiles again I played that with uh, Donovan throughout the weekend and uh, we ended up we were on the normal map and there's a DLC called like the island of Sipta or something like that and Sick. we ended up buying it because it's $20 Oh, well, it's not, I haven't spent any money on the game at this point, nor has... Well, he spent money on the other like DLC clothes. But 
the idea was that it would be new for both of us because what was happening is that since he had played that game to some extent before, he would like guide us to the areas and we knew what to do because he would be like, oh, well, there's this over here, so let's go do it. By going to a new map that we've never done before, it was like both of us trying to find our way and stumble through. So it was a lot more fun. But we finally really got big into building, which we didn't really do on the first uh, world. And we built this really cool house and after he got off, I intended to like finish what I was doing. And I ended up playing for like another four hours, just building, gathering resources, building, gathering resources, building. And it was interesting because after I got, went to go get off, I was like, I can't believe I spent another extra like four hours doing that. But it worked and I really enjoyed it. Also, it did something cool because this could be true of Fallout 4 because I didn't really... I don't go into a Fallout game looking for building mechanics. (laughs) Never had in the past. Mm -hmm. But Conan's got this thing about stability. So like anytime you're building something, as you start to add pieces together, you'll see the color before you place the piece become more and more red. It starts green and it tends orange and then eventually goes red. And it'll eventually get to a point where if the design would not actually hold that weight, you can't build anymore. Okay. And that was kind of cool. Hell yeah, dude. I'm very glad you're enjoying Conan Exiles. Hey, you could be enjoying it too, Chris. Yeah, but I have to continue playing best game of all time, Red Dead of Redemption 2. Something I have maintained and never said differently in my life. You're That's true. You you gave it your vows, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, well, mm-hmm. when, you know, hey, just throwing it out there. You could have fun pirate adventures where you go and kill a bunch of stuff. It's weird. One of the things I like in the game is that you can aggro things to something else. So if something starts chasing you, but then another enemy starts chasing you, depending on the enemy types, you can get them to attack each other so that you can get away or so that you can get them to like fight each other down and then you can come in and just smack them down for the final hits. Yeah. So it's like a weird strategic aspect, but I was having a really good time doing that. We were at a camp that we were under leveled to be at. And we were just drawing people out one by one and trying to fight them together. And then we ended up staying at this camp for like 45 minutes, running up with like 20 enemies, chasing each one of them, us, and then getting them to fight each other. It was great. It was a really I'll good time. I'll do it. Uh, I'll play a game like that when the Sandworm one comes out. The Sandworm one. Yeah, I don't um, remember what Dune's called. Yeah, I don't remember what Dune was called either. If it's like Exiles? that, actually... It'd be pretty good. <laughs> Dune Exiles. <laughs> I don't think that that's it. Dune Sp- uh, Awakening or Spice Wars? No, it's Awakening. Yeah, Dune Awakening. Mm, okay. So, well, I think that that could be pretty fun if it's made in the same style as this. Hopefully it deals with a couple of the odd design decisions, but that's okay. As long as I can play as Timothy Chalamet. You think they'll do a skin? I hope so. <laughs> He's in Fortnite. Why wouldn't he be in the Dune game? <laughs> Good point. But you also said that uh, they would have Pedro Pascal as Joel in The Last of Us Part 1. And uh, as we see, that didn't happen. I think uh, we should be pleasantly surprised I was wrong because I don't think that was unheard of at all that they would have reskinned it to be in parody. I still think when the show launches, they're going to update that game with skins, skins for them. Yeah. Definitely since there's already skins in the game right now. Like you can play as Last of Us 2 Joel in The Last of Us 1. Really? 
איזה... יא. working on the third one getting very close to being done with it still having a good time and the sense of pace is getting higher and faster as i unlock more and more collectibles and get more flaps which is where like you can flaps. jump in the air <laughs> yeah you look so, like a roast beef sandwich over there you know it man just yeah, yeah. just like that you know <laughs> You, you here's the problem, Chris. You made the mistake of oh. telling people that you don't like ASMR. I know, I did. You did. It's gross. I'm gonna maintain that. <laughs> like I don't, I don't do what you will, but gross. I want the ghost of Blake Pope to just come up on this microphone and just hit you with a big voice. What would be? No, why would I? Why would I even say what I was about to say? <laughs> <laughs> why would i say it because you'll do it and <laughs> but what were you gonna say chris actually i don't care because it would make me laugh it'd be funny if just somewhere in the middle of this show you take that video he sent in the discord and just and put it in, in the show yeah yeah i thought about it already <laughs> i figured you did this is what i get for supporting our content that, yeah, this is what you get for listening to something that you just did the day before. I know. Hey, Brett, if someone else wanted to support our content, what could they do? That's a great question, Chris. Thanks. They can go to patreon.com slash nartech and give as little as a dollar per month to support $1. the show. And guess what, guys? Hi. There's going to be big changes coming to the uh, the Patreon. Me and Chris were talking about it. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to do that. There might be the return of some fan favorites if you guys... <clears throat> want them hard enough you gotta want it but yeah. we'll talk about that next week hopefully we'll have everything ready by then but without further talk i guess we can go ahead and move on into the community state chris what say you uh that seems good however brett yes where uh, you, you talk of a community's take but how would someone be involved in said take of the community well, if they want to be in said take of community, then mm. what they can do is head over to twitter.com, find us slash. at triangle SQRD or twitter.com nice. slash. Yeah. Slash. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. There's a group called Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. You can ask to be entered into there. We'll gladly let you in. Or you can always click the description either below the video or in the podcast. Uh, whatever you're listening on, be it Spotify or whatever, the app. Uh, in the description, you can find the Discord link and be joined there where we have dedicated sections for the community's take so that you mm. can respond to our query, as I'm yeah. used to say. Uh, and, of course, the same thing happens. We, put, we do a post on Twitter and Facebook. And that's where you lovely people come in and give us your thoughts on you whatever lot. it is that we talked about and asked you as a community the previous episode. Uh, and so without further ado, the actual last one question itself uh, came to us by a listener, Gamers Gamut YT over on Twitter. Like I said, he has a YouTube. If you feel 
inspired to do so, go check out his content. Maybe you'll like it. Maybe you'll have yeah. something new to bring into rotation. Uh, but he yeah. simply asked, with God of War Ragnarok on the horizon and industry talk about avoiding releasing games around it, are you personally worried that it's setting unfair expectations that it can't hit? Or do you think it'll meet your own expectations? And I want to start with a very specific one because I do think it's an important answer. Uh, and Chris, I noticed you didn't put it on here, but the main reason I want to do it is because I actually did word this in a way that I think is a little unfair to what I really meant. And someone's answer highlighted that. Uh, so Josh, uh, one of our longtime listeners, longtime patrons over in the community's take, he says, games don't set expectations in people you set expectations on the game. So no, I'm not worried about overhype. If I do, it's on me. Games moving to avoid God of War. Just know it will suck up the gaming oxygen around them. So don't try. It will be, don't try. Will it be a great game? Probably, but expectations are set by you and you alone. And I do think that that's ultimately fair, but I also want to specify how I should have worded the question. And what I should have worded the question is that the industry by doing these things and setting this talk around it the industry is setting expectations on the game i think you're right to some degree a game can't set expectations on itself the only time that i would technically argue that there inevitably will always be expectations that the game in some ways is setting on itself is when it's part of a series like this Uh, i think new ip it can't set expectations only the way it's marketed the developers the social media hubbub, all of that can set expectations, but not the game itself. But I think that when you're coming on the hill of another franchise or another game in your series before you, there are inherent expectations that come as a part of that. Would you agree with that, Chris? I would. I don't think that's untrue. And I think that that's going to play into the reactions to Grand Theft Auto 6 that I find pretty interesting. Uh, But we'll talk about that when we get to the news. Uh, So with that one out of the way, we're going to move on to the next one. Uh, Another one of our patrons over on Discord, Mr. RudeDays93, says, So I think normally, under these types of circumstances, any game would get unfair expectations. But with it being on the PS4 as well, it lowers the expectations for me. I feel cross-gen has held games back, so going into God of War Ragnarok, I'm not expecting my mind to be blown like I am for Spider-Man 2, knowing it's for PS5 only. It's definitely going to look good and might even be the best-looking PS4 and PS5 game to date, but I'll always have that nagging feeling that it's held back by being on the PS4. Uh, You know, I was really curious to see how many people, and this isn't necessarily the best uh, focus group for that, but how many normal gamers feel like cross-gen is holding gaming back or, you know, is holding the potential for games on PS5 back when they release on both. Um, That's something I would really love to see, but I don't think a podcast audience is the best way to get that because I think by nature of being someone who's into games enough to want to listen to people talk about them in your free time, you are already surpassing the typical far larger casual market that these games still come into. (laughs) But I know that Chris and I, I think it's safe to say, often share the sentiment that it's hard to avoid a feeling that cross-gen gaming is in some way or form holding a game back. Do you think that's a fair way to... I definitely think that's fair. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, Chris, why don't you take the next one? 
Ooh, the next one. Uh, Rude Cold. Get you involved in here. Yeah, Rude Cold. He says, uh, I enjoyed God of War 2018. It wasn't a perfect game by any means, and maybe even a little overrated. I thought the other realms in God of War were very underwhelming and underdeveloped. The menu systems were clunky. My expectations for Ragnarok are definitely subdued compared to others, so I'm just hoping that it improves on those areas that I didn't like with God of War 2018. Pretty good answer. I mean, setting expectations that are clearly based on what are the obvious steps you can take up from the first game is a smart move. I think uh, a lot of people did that with Horizon Forbidden West, and that was probably a good idea because the menu was better. The hand-to-hand combat was better. Mm -hmm. Though, ironically, separate, my expectations for the, the bow and trap combat was that it would be the same, if not, you know, better and expanded on. And I would almost argue that I think traps are more fun to use in the first game than wow. they are in the second game because there's less of a limit they limited how many traps you can set in an area in the second game and one of my favorite things in the first game was spending time thinking of the best contraption to set up so that you could domino a series of events to take down a dinosaur as quickly and efficiently as possible figuring out how to most efficiently deal with what you have in front of you right? that's what everyone loves about breath of the wild right Mm-hmm. So, don't take away options. Give I agree. Options. But also, give me, give me more. Limitations are good because it is about what you can do with the limitations you have. But the limitations should be broad and more like a here's a set of rules that you have to kind of work around. But the in between is kind of up to you. This may be very arbitrary, but I don't think you should limit me more than the past game. If I'm playing the same character. I agree. The only way that you get away with it is if you character swap. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's weird, right? It's either that or you do the dumb thing that games are infamous for, right? (laughs) Batman lost all his stuff again. Exactly. God of War was even worse about it. Because oh, at yeah. least that you could argue, but like Kratos is a god. He has the power of gods. He has all these weapons and armor that he's wearing. But uh-oh, they, he, he fell from Olympus and they took his stuff away from him. Oh, uh-oh, <laughs> he fell in the river sticks. It's like, yeah, come on, man. Eventually. Let Kratos keep his stuff. God of War 2018's best thing is that you can you can mentally put yourself in the position of Kratos is a little Kratos doesn't have everything because he's traveled a far distance. He destroyed the previous world that he was part of, and that might have had some take on him. He's barely survived stabbing, stabbing himself with a blade and releasing hope into the world. There's all these different things that you can help do like, okay, that's why this is the way it is. But when when from game to game, it's like, well, we've got to find some reason to make him not have his powers. It sucks. It's one of the things I hated the most about that era of gaming. So I agree. Do not make me work backwards. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. But then again, think about this, Chris. Did you uh, did you Platinum Horizon? Zero no. Okay, did you ever, if you didn't, I doubt you did, did you get the armor that you could get by opening the vault? Mm, no. Okay, so. so there's there's armor that you could put on her, and it was essentially like shield armor. And anytime someone would go to hit you, it just create like a hexagon shield in front of you, which was awesome. Dope. But you you get it when you're pretty much done with the game. 
and you have no real reason to use it. Like, could you imagine starting Forbidden West with armor that just reflects everything? I kind of get the need to back some things up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it does make some sense. Yeah. But, oh, well. All right, I'll grab the next one. Swanland over on Discord said, I loved God of War 2018, one of my games of a generation. But I think publishers pushing their games to next year will find that they are going to sell less than if they came out this year, simply because of how packed 2023 is. It's the reason we saw Midnight Suns delayed out of the year and then brought back to a 2022 release date as the publishers knew it would sell better. As for unfair expectations, Ragnarok has such a solid foundation and is being handled by someone who has been integral to the series since its inception while also learning from Barlog. I'm not too worried as a result, and I look at how the very first game in the franchise was amazing, and none of us could have expected the second to outdo it, but it did. And that is a fair point. God of War 2 is an excellent game. It's so good. And God of War 1 is such a solid starting point that, yeah, you can definitely go up. So that's a, I like that's a nice optimistic outlook from him. Uh, what is your take on his view of uh, games pushing in the next year just to end up regretting it as more games have pushed in the next year? I actually think there might be some truth to that. 100%. But I think it's funny because I think it's just, we're just going to see a lot of... Uh, What's the what's the thing like pushing pushing the cart down the road a little bit because stuff like like I could see something like like Fallen Order the sequel to that what's that called yeah I Fallen, don't remember not just, Apex Maps something isn't it yeah Jedi Survive or something weird yeah either way the Cal Kestis game I could see that pushing to twenty twenty four like Survivor. why would they okay why would they keep it in twenty twenty three that whole series is named terribly. I don't really mind the first one. I don't think it's like the epitome of game naming, but this that's just an uninspired name. <laughs> it's Star Wars colon Jedi colon Fallen Order. It's terrible. Oh, I thought it was Star Wars Jedi colon Fallen Order. I think it's Star Wars colon and then another. Now, now Either I way. know. But yeah, so you, you're thinking that game can get away with it? Yeah, I think stuff that we don't like have concrete dates on might push, but I couldn't. I think it would be crazy for something like Resident Evil Four Remake to be like, yeah, we're gonna push to twenty twenty four. It's like you said, March. You know, you think that that'll get pushed? No, I'm saying I think we're we are looking at publishers push the cart down the road on stuff like Fallen Survivor. I could have picked any other goddamn game. Uh, Stellar Blade, <laughs> stuff like Stellar Blade, pushing it down the yeah. line to get into 2024 to give themselves more time or just to get out of the way. Uh, again, don't you just eventually do that with the amount of games that are coming and mm-hmm. the fact that 2021 was kind of slow and so and 2022 has not been that fast either. It's starting to get fast at the end of the year. I think that the problem is, is that the more you kick the can down the road, you're eventually just going to have to land on where you land because you're not going to find an ideal time in this modern climate. There's always going to be a big game that can choose to come out right around you that will just, to some degree, overshadow you. I think that's true, but I think we're also, I think we're also looking at another drought like this year. Because you all think these games in next year, 2024, 25, I think. Uh, okay. Yeah. One of those years is going to be a drought because everything's getting pushed into 2023 because of COVID. So if we look at everything being pushed because of COVID, we have to assume that because Respawn's game was pushed, Respawn is not working on another game that they would have been had Survivor come out this year. 
and that's not that was never a 2022 game it's just the game i'm using as all my examples for some reason yeah no i got you so then you have to imagine that eventually all of these studios that are releasing games in 2023 that would have released in 2021 or 2022 had covid not happened are now going to be starting newer games later which means eventually the can for that game has been kicked down the road to the point where one of these years is going to have to be empty because so much stuff is coming in 23. Does that make does that make sense? Yeah, so, whether it ends up being 24 and 25 or 23 and 24. Exactly. Yeah, I get I get what you mean because I mean right now it's looking 23 is looking so heavy right. that it you almost have a context situation too, right? If you have a year like 23 which is looking like it's going to be stacked with releases, uh then I think what you end up with is this kind of mixture of there are less games, but it feels even more barren because you just came off of a year where it felt like you could barely breathe. And then you come and then it's like, whoa, what's going on now? Mm -hmm. There's only like a cool game released every three months. Now, not that that's actually what's happening, but the average consumer will probably only look at be super hyped for one game every three months if they're lucky. And with that in mind, it, it will look very different than a year where someone's like, I'm so hyped for Jedi Survivor. I'm so hyped for Resident Evil 4 Remake. Oh, I'm so hyped for whatever the next game. I mean, probably at this point, Starfield. <laughs> but That'd yeah, I get what you to mean. Play. Yeah, it's just me, you know, speculating entirely and probably wrongly, but... I, I personally am really enjoying there being kind of a drought into the end of 22 because I don't feel like I have to play something other than Red Dead. Yeah, it's a weird time for me to think like I am semi-addicted at this particular junction to Conan Exiles, but I'm trying not to play it without Donovan, which is creating a very conflicting sense in me because I want to play it pretty badly, <laughs> but I don't want to like surpass him. Mm-hmm. to a high degree so what i normally do is like play for a few hours after he gets off when we have been playing and that kind of helps satiate it but it's an old game that i got for free it feels weird to be playing that this year because usually i feel like by this time this year there's still 15 games that have come out this year that i haven't played that i was super hyped about and i don't have that feeling whether it's true or not that feeling is not washing over me, which I kind of wondered, like, is it just because I have other stuff going on in life? And there are games that have just pushed back so far that they've fallen out of my mind to the point where that feeling is not bearing on me. Is it just because I'm getting older? I don't know. I mean, Chris, me and you are about the same age, right? You're 29, right? 29. I turned 30 soon. Uh, I got a, I got a, another year. Yeah. Lucky you. I got, (laughs) I got less than two months. Uh, you're gonna be old as fuck, dude. I'm kidding. I know. You're gonna be you're gonna be a young man. Yeah. Starting life in his thirties. You can do a lot in your thirties. Well, Chris, like come up with a really cool audio show. Yeah, that would be super it's, cool. Yeah. It's all right. You never I'll know. Stay, right? I'll stay young. Go watch Clerks Three. You can oh, do anything. God, no. You want to talk about feeling old. You want me to watch Clerks Three? <laughs> it was really good, actually. I'm I sure it's it great. But you want to talk <laughs> to me about being old. You want me to watch Clerks Three? Yeah, I had like a, uh, I had like a micro. Like I enjoyed the movie, but the entire time I was watching the movie, definitely with what the plot's about, I had one of those like in my own head, like I've not done enough with my life at this point. Mm-hmm. I had a little micro. Uh, what do you call That's, that? I don't know. We'll, Why we'll, I can't. we'll laugh at this conversation when our new new show comes out, and you know we're winning <laughs> Emmys for it. 
And we're like, oh, yeah, man. At, at age 29 and 10 months and almost whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was told myself out. that I'd done nothing. I told yeah. out, And then I wrote this show about Sammy Storm. And now, now we're living, living life large. <laughs> Look at that. Selena Gomez is playing a news reporter on my television show. You know, it's it's really interesting that in, in life and in, in looking at other countries, they ask kids like what they want to be when they grow up. And in other countries, the like far more often the answers are like police officer and doctor and all that. And the most common answer given in the United States, YouTuber. whether it's for the better or not, is a YouTuber or some kind of social media, uh, you know, uh, what do they even call those? Influencers. Influencer, like yeah, Jake. What Paul. a word! But the, here's the thing: clearly, I'm giving into that, right? I think fame is something that's pushed into American kids in such a weird way that it's not even. I don't even know if I'd say it's fame, right? For me, I want just a big enough group of people to like something I poured creative energy into, and I think that might be what it is for a lot of people. Is it depends, right? But for me, it's like if 500 people go on living their life. And we're just like really touched and still have a connection with an album I put out or like an EP or a song I put out or they go on and like we do this show for another five years, maybe, maybe not. Who knows what happens? And then 20 years from now, people are like thinking back to like, oh, I had a good time with this little thing on Triangle Squared. I think that's what it is. I think for a lot of us, it's that want and maybe it's because of social media. It's that want to be remembered for something you did in your life more so than I don't really care if I make a living out of this. It would be amazing. That'd be sick. But I really care more that I feel like I impacted the world. It's a weird conversation that we shouldn't have got into, but that's what Clerks 3 did to me. Yeah. <laughs> Go watch Clerks 3. It's very good. I mean, if you can, it was a limited theater release, but what do you call a woman with one leg shorter than the other? Eileen. Yep. Good one, Chris. You pulled me back to the surface. Are you leaning <laughs> towards reading the next community stake? I think you're leaning towards oh, reading the next community stake. I lean towards reading Constantly Kenny on Twitter, who says it will meet my expectations because I'm easily entertained. And from what I've seen, it looks really good. From a sales perspective, it's probably best to avoid a big release like God of War. Yeah. Sounds about right yeah, to me. Pretty much across the board. This is the man who is constantly Kenny. Never anything Whoa. but. He's also a patron and he's a thank you. Yeah. Kenny, I appreciate it. Constantly Kenny. I appreciate constantly you paying. for constantly being you. That's yeah. what it you know what? Yeah, it's good stuff. All right, gamers Great game job, it, Craig. the person who ask the question. He says, I will yeah. definitely say that seeing that trailer eased my worries a little. It was great. I actually agree. I thought I wasn't like super worried about the game. But my hype was like far more reasonable and I was like living in the thing of like, don't give the game too much hype. But then I watched that trailer. I was like, that looks incredible. <laughs> and suddenly, I don't know if it's just that it's getting closer and there's that part of my brain that knows like we're, I'm sniffing out the fact that it's very close and this trailer was just good timing. But the trailer did a lot for me too, man. Is the VO weird? What's that? Is the VO not good? What do you mean? Like the vo for I don't know. God of War? I saw a clip of uh, Tear 
because Twitter spoils everything, and I haven't watched the full trailer. And he did not sound like I would what I would imagine Tyr sounding like, and it, it was super off putting. Excuse me, within context of what they're talking about, like in context of him in that world, I feel like he works. Like okay. it, I don't want to say too much because I know you're trying to hold off from it, but I would argue that Tyr sounding the way he does and the dialogue that he says alongside a lot of this stuff to kind of tell you that he's not. What you would necessarily think of as a god of war. Are you a god of war? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. I think the whole point and everything they've showed of Tyr is that I'm getting gentle giant vibes. I'm tearing up my heart when I'm with you. And when we are apart, I feel it too. Oh, God. I can just imagine Tear sitting over there with a ukulele doing uh, uh, <laughs> tiptoe through the tulips. <laughs> oh no, man! Tear-toe did you ever see through the tear toe? Yeah, God. thank you. Uh, did you ever see what was the the horror movie that had that in it? That had the uh, oh, Insidious. Insidious. No. It's yes. so bad. It's, I oh. like Insidious. The problem is they show the monster. And the monster looks like a cartoon character. I've never laughed more than that scene. It's I so that, funny. Dude, the whole movie is like the kids laughing outside of the house. I was like, okay, this is not scary at all. It's like, it, I almost think it's a better comedy movie than it is a horror movie. I don't even think it's that it's not scary, but I think it's tense. I don't know. I'm 30. I don't find things scary. But I, yeah, it's t- t- tense. It wasn't even tense. Nothing about that movie had me like. <gasps> When did you watch it? Did you watch it when it came out or like recently? No, when it came out. Oh, well. I so you can't say it's because I'm a jaded old asshole. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> to be fair, you could have been a jaded old asshole back then. I've been a jaded old asshole my entire life. Oh, God. <laughs> that, is, that is the truth. That sounds right. My mom has told me my entire life. She's like, you're just an old soul. I'm like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I I'm the like- old guy who yells at you to get off my lawn. <laughs> You feel like what, Chris? I don't really remember. Mm, well, look at that. Looks like you're the old guy who forgets what he was going to say. That's but you know what? True. We have Sean Easton, one of our patrons Ooh. over on Facebook, who said, from a marketing point of view, I think it's wise for companies to try and avoid being drowned out by such a gigantic release. The window for success can be very small. Why risk it? And at the same time, I don't think that's putting an unfair expectation on the game. It's just a reality. I mean, that's pretty fair. Also, he adds at the end, BTW, this is AKA Sean. And Sean, I was aware of that, but I appreciate you making sure that I knew. And also, thank you very much for being a patron. You've been one for a good while now. Chris and I both appreciate it. Uh, Yeah. I don't appreciate that the taxes are trying to come from me because we aren't seeing that money right now (laughs) because I haven't filled out the tax form. But you know what? Hey man, the That's man a topic is coming. For another day. The the man's always coming for my my gold, and he wants yep. it. It's much gold. It's He's much deep gold. in there. The man. Yeah. So uh, it's okay, but yeah, thanks, Sean. I appreciate you, and uh, I think that's a. I mean, I think you're right. The the real way to look at this from like the most pragmatic standpoint is just that, regardless of whether the industry's talk is putting a, a expectations on the game. It's the reality of games trying to do what they can from a business perspective. So I, I parse. It's kind of like what um, Swanland said. Uh, also, Swan, if you're listening to this, welcome back to the Discord. I'm glad you're back. Um, but 
there are uh, there I find that there are going to be people who are going to regret having moved and they may find that their original release date was actually the better release date but um I've always been really curious to see like uh analytics and metrics that they point at as to why you shouldn't because we've seen games come out beside other games that everyone would tell you is a monstrous game and then yet they still do really well um and so I think that's because as we all kind of know there's like to a degree, there's genre mashup or, you know, genre rubbing where as long as the games aren't in close enough styles of gameplay and genre, even if you come out alongside a monstrous game, you can still do pretty well. Now, there's there's games that are also curious, like Sonic coming out right around God of War is super interesting to me. And I don't know if that means it'll do terrible or if it'll still do like every Sonic game does. I don't know. Because Sonic's got a pretty dedicated fan base and Sonic is doing big as an entire IP right now. So will God of War really do anything to that? Because like my thought process there, not that it's in completely comparable, but it's in the same ballpark of thinking things through. God of War would not impact the sales of a Mario game at all. In my True. Opinion. I would don't disagree. And I think Sonic is more similar to Mario than Sonic is similar to God of War. And by that sense, it's likely that Sonic is not heavily impacted. Whereas a game like, for lack of anything else to think of that's in that, a game like, um, what was that, Rise of the Ronin or whatever, if that was coming out beside God of War, then you might have a little bit of a worry. Because they're similar enough that people feel like I only have the bandwidth for one of this type of game. Which one is it? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Last one comes from Mr. Cody James McGinnis, longtime friend. He says, from the trailer I've seen, they've added a few new gameplay mechanics. In fact, one of the scenes really reminded me of old school God of War, which is cool that they are adding in more of the OG elements. I think it will definitely live, definitely live up to expectations. And I do think it's wise not to launch games easily shadowed near a huge release like this if it's even remotely similar in playstyle. Kind of like oh. awesome. um, I don't know if you saw it, wow. but actually one of my one of my other friends who came over Thursday on Yu-Gi-Oh night, uh, we were watching the God of War trailer um, to show some stuff to my other friend. And he was saying like, what is that? He's like, is that, is that like a QTE thing? And I don't, I think this is what a lot of people were going on. And I myself am curious as to what it is, but there's like a, a big round rune with like a rune symbol in it. And it's got like crumbles of stuff around it and it's coming up to you. And it almost looks like it's trying to highlight it, like hit triangle as a quick time event. But that wasn't really in God of War 2018. So I think some people are kind of hoping that you see that here and there, which is a crazy conversation to have because I feel like QTEs got pushed out of gaming. They did. I would agree. It's interesting to see a, a group of people now being like, give me some more QTE, baby. Everybody loves QTE when it's good. It's not overused. I think it's pretty good, like... I like it in like games like Spider-Man. I think it's important, and it works to help sell that. But I don't necessarily need it everywhere. Yeah, Spider-Man reminds me of, uh, you know, original Resident Evil 4 when they had button presses during cutscenes that you could fail, and it would change yes. the cutscene. And the whole idea is just, they were always talking about, like, it's to try and keep you engaged with the game to where you always feel like you have to have a controller in hand and, like, something could happen at any moment, so you keep the tension of the game even through the cutscenes. 
it does work in that game. It, it's not to say that it can't get a little annoying in that age hasn't made it look a little worse than it did. But I think that's true. In God, I think that's true in Spider-Man. Like you said, I think having the tense nature of like trying to swing through the city to catch up with a helicopter and then cutting to a cut scene where you do get the helicopter that you get, you get to keep that sense of pace and action by suddenly having it being like, Oh, the helicopter's going to fall. You got to hit the L one and R one so you can throw a lot of webs out. I get it. Like I, I do think it works, but there is that part of me that like, I would love to see games do away with that at the same time and just be like, everything you just do in real time but it's like scripted sequences don't work as well when they have to be in a player's hands because like if you want a cool moment that's memorable like catching a plane or a helicopter with webs and supporting it so it doesn't fall down Mm -hmm. you can't necessarily give players freedom to make that happen on their own but if you did and a player decided that their best action in that moment was to think like Spider-Man and then shoot webs to catch the thing and the game could support that, that would feel infinitely more cooler than doing it because the game told you to do so. And yeah, that's where I think it, QTEs exist in that weird balance of... you probably It's probably better to go to everyone and have everyone have a less cool but still pretty cool memorable moment than only 25% of the player base doing something cool in that interaction. Well, you answered my question, so there you go. <laughs> what was your question? Does that? I was going to say, like, is it fun? That, I know that's fun to do, but is that fun to do after failing twenty times because you didn't know what you were supposed to do? You know what I mean? Well, that would be where just to specify my or clarify rather my take is: I would love for the game to have that be a potential that it can account for, but it's not the only way forward. You know what I mean? Sure. I so just like think the in QTE that moment is the most accessible moment, thing. Oh, it certainly is. But there is a part of me that would love for someone to be willing to make a game to where that same situation plays out, right? It doesn't have to be Spider-Man. It's just some dude who has powers and he's in the air and something goes to fall. And the heroic thing to do is find a way to use your powers in a way that can save these people or save, you know, catch the plane and minimize as much damage. And you can do that if you're smart enough on the fly and familiar enough with the mechanics that you can make it happen. But if you don't, then the helicopter just falls on the ground mm-hmm. or much like we talked about with breath of the wild, you have that set up where even if the cool thing that everyone can kind of more likely think of, of catching the, the helicopter with the webs and the building and creating a nest, maybe there's something else cool that no one can even think of where there's a crane right there and you thread the helicopter to the crane and it makes the helicopter swing up and fly into the water. That would be amazing because you would know that you made that happen out of just you thinking through at the moment. And it would give you that, you know when games were like our games journalists were obsessed with saying that the game makes you feel like Batman, makes you yes. feel like Spider Man. That's how you make someone feel like Spider Man. Is that I'm swinging through the air, a helicopter's falling, and I have to go fuck. I'm Spider Man. What can I do to deal with this helicopter so that it doesn't hurt anybody? I, or I it hurts that. at the very minimal, you know, minimal people. One of these days, Chris. One of these days. Oh, hey, speaking of Spider-Man, because we're here, this is a good reminds okay. me of. Uh, did you see the Did you see the first person uh, mod for Spider-Man? I did. Yeah, that looks insane, dude. I want that in VR. I also yeah. would not be surprised if Sony's doing that in VR right now. 
Yeah. You think they'll get crap for re-releasing Spider-Man again? I don't know if they'll do that or if they'll just do a dedicated Spider-Man game for VR. I'm curious. Oh, that'd be cool. Miles Morales is the VR game. I don't know. I I think that they could pull... I think they could pull off making one of the Spider-Man games, like the remastered VR game. But... But... I, I'm trying what, to think what, through of how some what? of those things would have to change, right? And would it be a separate? Well, knowing Sony, it would be a separate game. It wouldn't be an update for remastered. It would be no hey, buy, buy Spider-Man VR for seventy dollars. For seventy dollars, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. Would you? Would you play that? Or do you? Would you be worried no. about getting sick? I would get sick. No <laughs> shot. The only reason I think I might not is I know you didn't play it because I didn't have it while you were here, but there is a game where you have, I think I told you about it on the Rift uh, called Swarm, and you have these guns that are guns, but at the bottom there's grapple hooks, and you swing through this map, and there's these little anchor points that you can swing on, like, and you can pull them to like give yourself momentum, yeah. and you fly around everywhere on that, and it feels wonderful, and I did not get sick at all. And I huh? thought when I bought the game, like I'm going to get sick, and I didn't. I mean, I would try Spider-Man in VR. I'm not going to lie. It just seems like it would get me sick. Yeah. There is far more buildings and stuff in that, so I'll give it that. Who knows? The other was like a big open map, but other, it was meant to be like something that didn't obstruct you. Seeing a building whiz by your face at you know 70 miles per hour in VR might, imagine might like work di- a little different. Imagine diving off like the Empire State Building in VR. You... you probably shit yourself ah, that'd be cool dude but you'd shit yourself because your body would think you're falling that fast off the empire state building here's my argument about why you may not and actually okay. why it may not be as impressive in vr as you would hope i think your body if you even got sick i don't think you'd crap yourself i think that your actual first thing would be your stomach would churn like you're going to throw up because your body would feel like my point of view tells me that I'm falling head first, but my body is clearly, clearly standing head up. You get what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. Spider-Man, Spider-Man would never choose to jump from the, the empire state bill, uh, you know, and then just fall in a, in a, you know, head up position. You would dive, but your body is not going to do that. So the game could never register that. Right. You know what I mean? Fair. I get that. That might actually be why we don't get a. Uh, but I don't know because Spider. I mean, Iron Man VR existed. I never got to try it. I still could. I still have my VR. It's all boxed up. I'm trying to sell it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, uh, which uh, gets us into a pretty interesting thing in the news in a second. Uh, but yeah, Chris. Hi. What were you going to say before I uh, brought up the Spider-Man VR? Oh, I was going to say while you go through the first piece of news, I'm going to use the bathroom. I'll go do it, man. Thank you. So speaking of the first piece of news, while you look at Chris's black square or listen to his silent audio, uh, Sony's latest state of play saw the announcement of the Tsushima-like RPG Rise of the Ronin that I talked about earlier. Coming from Team Ninja, they announced the game as one of the first announced 2024 PlayStation 5 exclusives. Recently, it's come to light that they the game may be less of a money hat situation and more of a collaboration between Sony and Koei Tecmo. The game, while being worked on mainly by Team Ninja, is being supported heavily by Sony's Jap- uh, Japanese division of XDev. The project has been in development since 2015. Yasuda-san indicated that XDev has been assisting 
since the beginning. And now this is actually something that's kind of important to look at because used to, I think for Japan, uh, Sony Japan studio was typically working in an ex-dev situation. And since we saw Studio Japan uh, shutter and end up kind of dissolving and going primarily into Japan being Team Asobi, um, we don't know that Team Asobi is big enough to pull that off. Team Asobi is also probably working on VR-related things. And so it makes more sense that Sony just has a dedicated ex-dev that they call and look at now. Um, So in that sense, this is much more like what you saw with... Uh, Demon Souls and Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. And the reason that they were exclusive is, of course, Sony coming in and helping with Demon Souls, getting it off the ground when it had a lot of development issues and finalizing its work on their console. Uh, that's a big reason why that was exclusive. Of course, it's also because they published it, but the relationship kind of came together from that way. So yeah, maybe this is less throwing money at Team Ninja and more of, there's a game we want to work on and we're needing assistance, and that's how you do it. Um, I'm kind of curious. Is um, Oop. hi was was Neo that? Yeah, I feel I like believe so. I remember Neo. I know it was published by them, but Neo Two, no, no? Neo One wasn't because Neo Two's on X or Neo One's on Xbox, but Neo Two is not. Yeah, but it was it actually? No, it, it wasn't developed with. Now, at least let me say this: the the difference is I was talking about how. Originally, Sony's Japanese ex-dev uh, solution was Japan Studio, and that you would typically see that on the boxes alongside thing. You may not see that now that it's just Sony ex-dev. So maybe they did help work on some of these games, and they're just not being listed anymore since Japan Studio kind of got shuttered. Um, but I'm not sure. Either way, ex-dev situation is something that does happen a lot in games, uh, not only from Sony, but from other things. But Sony is definitely known for d- working with teams in an ex-dev situation and getting some kind of exclusivity out of it. But I think that, that also kind of checks out why the game is exclusive on console and not PC, because it's more of a collaborative effort. That would, Though Sony's clearly shown interest in letting games come to PC day one, yeah, they even when there. they pay for them. But this was, for the record, this was specifically called out as the Japanese division of XDev. So, mm-hmm. don't know what. So, just FYI. I wasn't sure if that was uh, weird or not. Yeah, well, I think it's just that now that Japan Studio doesn't exist, this is the first time we're hearing it worded this way. Yeah, that's fair. You know? Oh, that is fair. So... Uh, All right, next piece of news, though. It seems as though EA and Andrew Wilson believe that they'll be able to stroll through the Call of Duty gate into a unique opportunity for the franchise. This comes just days after Vince Zampella commented that Battlefield 2042 strayed too far from what the franchise does. It's interesting to see where this could go. Can Battlefield take some of Call of Duty's market share? Or more interestingly, could we see EA and DICE take advantage of Sony and use Call of Duty's uncertain future as a way to generate marketing dollars or exclusive money? And that is a great question. If Thanks. you really want to look, if you really want to look at what Sony's answer could be, if it wouldn't have been for Battlefield 2042 really kind of soiling the battlefield waters, mm-hmm. the answer, the clear answer would have been. Saddle up to Battlefield and do everything you can to make Battlefield bigger by way of working alongside them as the biggest platform. 
well, I say that Plat- PC is always going to be your biggest platform, but your biggest console based platform, push that, use that to grow Battlefield more and then work with EA to make Battlefield more of a homestay to where either there's a yearly release if that is necessary or at the least there's a free to play Battlefield that can go toe to toe with Warzone in some capacity. I think that's your answer. I mean, it's one of the things I really haven't heard anybody say which is kind of interesting because clearly there's still a big loss for Sony if they lose Call of Duty. But I've not really heard anybody talk much about the fact that Sony is quite invested in Epic and Epic has Fortnite. And Sony seems to be interested in continuing to expand their um, their shares of, or at least their investment in Epic. And maybe pushing more dollars into Fortnite so that they get more play on the Fortnite thing or at least get more return and investment in Fortnite is their way of at least somewhat staving off the damage that Call of Duty might do should it end up eventually going exclusive to uh, Xbox. Moist. I mean, yeah. I, saw your, I saw your face. Do you agree or do you feel like there's quite a bit of caveats there? Well, I feel like there's a bit of caveat there because they have like 4% of Epic. I don't know that that's a significant portion of Epic. Yeah, I thought 4 was their initial and then they reinvested again. I thought uh, it was could be 2 wrong. and 2. They Even might be still, right. they, they have 6 at most. Mm-hmm. Well, clearly, still where I was going with that is if they continue to invest more into sure, Epic. Sure, I, I more just meant like they're not gonna. They're not gonna make up Call of Duty numbers because of Fortnite skins. No, there's. They're certainly not gonna make up. But if they take a multi prong approach, like getting with EA for Battlefield and or Apex and trying to find ways to promote them primarily on PlayStation and grow them with it, it it's easy to say that the answer could be buying EA because EA is probably <laughs> the closest uh, publisher competitor to uh, that has shooters that compete with. Um, Compete with Call of Duty. Listen, if I, <laughs> I don't know that I would want them to do it, but I think if I was really trying to scare Microsoft into keeping, um, Call Sony of Duty, owns five point four percent of uh, Epic, by the that. way. So you were actually pretty close with six. Yeah. Um, if I would try and buy EA and then be like, "Hey, we got Respawn, we got Dice, you know, we have Madden and FIFA and." Nothing else that I can think of. You know what I mean by that, but nothing huge. So, I, I I mean, that would be a good move. I don't know. I think in the end, by the time this deal, the, the three-year deal runs out, Game Pass is on PS5 anyway, so who cares? They'll have an, a first-party, first-party-only exclusive Game Pass thing that's on the PlayStation console. You can play your Starfield. That's all it is. Although, again, I don't see why that is better than just selling the games, but Whatever. I'm not going to fight it. I would argue the exact same. I would agree that Sony might do it if it was, and you said this before, just for anybody who may not know, if it's strictly that Game Pass hits PlayStation only in a limited sense where the games that you can get on Game Pass are the exclusive ones that Sony, that Microsoft has on their systems. So the only way to play the Outer Worlds 2 and um, Awoken or whatever the game is from uh, Oblivion. Avowed. Uh, Avowed. That's even close, uh, dog. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, between all those and things like Starfield, Elder Scrolls Six, if that's their way, I could see Sony maybe doing that. Um, but I agree with you. The My side of all of that has always been, 
my first question, and I'm not going to beat this drum too much. I've always asked, what is the monetary gain for Sony letting Game Pass on its system that is enough to just... I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but what's the business model that Sony can use for monetizing Game Pass on their console? What's the share that they get? How is that determined? How do you determine if somebody bought Game Pass for PlayStation or if they already had Game Pass on Xbox and they buy a PlayStation and they can play those games on PlayStation? It creates a lot of logistical questions of where you're playing and how does that give into how Sony makes money? I don't think it does at all. Well, why not? Because my PC subscription is the same as my Xbox subscription, and my uh, PC subscription both owned by Microsoft. Yeah, that's not the point, though. You're talking about the different libraries, and the PC library is not the same as the Xbox library. So clearly, it can differentiate it. So if you're playing on the P, I mean, the real the realistic answer is you you probably have a completely separate subscription. It's a it's a PlayStation subscription for Game Pass. Exactly. That and is I probably agree with more that. expensive than the Xbox subscription. It wouldn't surprise me if it was a PlayStation game if it was a PlayStation's Xbox Game Pass, right? And it was 19.99 a month. That wouldn't surprise me. I I mean it wouldn't surprise me. I don't think it would do very well and I think that they probably would know I, that. <laughs> no, I disagree. But, I think that would do very well. I think that they couldn't get over the PR blunder of it looking, which I mean, they clearly have PR blunders, in my opinion, from having uh, MLB on Game Pass, but not on their own competing service. So, not to say that Sony or Microsoft are avoid, you know, are, are incapable of making PR blunders. We've seen them both do it a lot. But my, my core thing going back is not that I don't think that there can be differentiating libraries on them. My question still always has has been. Ben, most importantly, and your answer is one of the ways they could do that, is how does Sony monetize it on their platform? The only way they let it on their platform is if they make enough money for it to mostly wash with what they're going to lose from game sales they would have had. And in that situation, why would Microsoft give that percentage? And maybe they would. I'm not saying they won't, but I'm curious as to the mechanics behind the scenes as to why they would choose to do both of those things. Well, and secondary, like me. you said, at what point is it just better to sell the game on the system and let your competing edge, as we've said a million times, be play it for $70 on PS5 or play it for $10 on, on Xbox or PC? Yeah, I don't know why they wouldn't do that, but I guess for me, what I would say is I think the best option is the best of both worlds. The, the Xbox looks at Sony and goes, we have zero exclusives anymore. Call of Duty, Halo, Gears of War, all on PlayStation. But Game Pass is there. It's $19.99 a month compared to $14.99 on our system. And we're going to put these games in your store for purchase. Take your 30% rip. Maybe, but I, I have a feeling that definitely with the way they've been going through this, I don't think Microsoft would want to take away from their one subscription across all platforms motto that they've definitely followed. Because right now they're leaning heavy on the fact of you have Game Pass, but you have Game Pass on Xbox, you have it on PC, and now you have it on phone if you have, uh, you know, if, if you use xCloud. And as well, but- xCloud continues to expand, I just think Microsoft sees more value in having a unified system that's through a single subscription than having a mostly unified and then across the aisle randomly the same subscription with less games at a higher dollar amount. But isn't that just another selling point for Microsoft? 
I don't I don't know. I mean buy an Xbox or a PC, get it for fourteen ninety nine, cause your saves go across Xbox and PS4. Or your Xbox and PC. Oh, you want to play on PlayStation? You want to get your platinum trophy for Starfield, you big baby? Okay, here you go. It's $19 a month. It's not cross-save. It's not cross-purchase. It's not cross-anything. But you have the game on your console for $20 a month. That's that how seems, they sell it. That they seems sell so it against features. what they do, though, right now, right? I mean, their, their whole thing is cross-play, cross-save. They already have two subscriptions for Game Pass. There's Game Pass and Game Pass Ultimate. So, yeah, but Game Pass Ultimate's just basically looping together. No, Game gold, Pass Xbox Ultimate gold is, into it. Sure, but it, there's other there's more games on Ultimate than there are on regular. Only because you get the PC included. No, I don't think. No, I'm Game Pass t- on PC has the same library whether you're Ultimate or not. Just I don't think it does. I thought I'm because at, sure. at least regular Game Pass doesn't. Then because I know for a fact I couldn't play some of the Gears of War games, but maybe that was just the t- time and place thing. Well, you wrong. can't play them on you can't play them on PC because a lot of the Gears of War games can't play on PC. Gears of yeah. War Four is not available on PC. I know. Uh, I don't. I don't think Gears Five is available on PC. So I, I'm uh, telling you that I'm telling you I'm almost ninety percent sure that you Gears might actually be right on that, but I don't think so. I but know. I would. We have enough Xbox listeners, and instead of spending too much time, I'll let them <laughs> correct us in the. Uh, if you want to on any social media, but typically it's going to be in the podcast open discussion section of the discord. Uh, so if you're an Xbox listener and you want to tell us, click through that, uh, that discord link in the description, you can be yeah. part of this. Uh, but Good continue call. with the, with the ultimate point. Regardless way, of My, my ultimate about. point is I don't think it, I don't think they give a shit about making PlayStation life, uh, players life's, uh, life's easier. If they want that, that revenue, they get the they'll get the revenue regardless if they're they're already doing the good PR thing of letting PlayStation players have a Game Pass vertical. Why would they give a crap if they had to be like this is a bespoke PlayStation only version that has just our first party? It's it's a little bit extra money and it doesn't connect to anything else. They're gonna look like oh you guys are making us pay more and they say yeah, like that's all it is and then they. It, the selling point is come to Xbox where you can your saves cross between PC and Xbox. Your saves cross between PC, Xbox, and xCloud. Like it's all, yeah. I feel like it's just looking at Sony and being like, we want our brand. First off, the brand is there. You know? All that kind of stuff. And it's not that hard to see a future where Call of Duty has a banner where it's like, okay, it's exclusive to PlayStation. It's exclusive to Game Pass or whatever. Game Pass on PlayStation. And in the message of the day, it says over on Xbox, it's a double XP weekend. Over on Xbox, there's a sale on Call of Duty. Or, or at least over yeah, on on, Xbox. as Game Pass. Yeah. Yeah. Want to yeah. play anywhere? Be uh, come come on Xbox. That's that. I, it's not that hard. Where I'm going with it, whether or not I'm right or you are right, who knows? Where I'm going with it is that companies tend to try and work within the idea of like an ethos for the company. So Xbox is ethos that they're trying to work with since they've been rebuilding Xbox as a brand up since you know early Xbox One generation when they kind of bottomed out. They've definitely been moving more and more and more toward the ideology of trying to look like you're for the every gamer and they seem pretty steadfast on trying to hold on to that image that doesn't mean they always work in service of it because as we talk about all the time 
we hear Phil Spencer or some other person involved with Xbox say that they want players to be able to play anywhere, but then actively go against so by not letting these games release on PlayStation, even in a viable form. Whether that's right or wrong doesn't matter. It's just, even if it's right for, for Microsoft to be like, yeah, we bought them. We want to utilize them as an exclusive. Yeah, that's fine. But you're going against your ethos of saying that you're for the gamer and you're for the player, regardless of platform, and you want people to be able to play with it, with fewer restrictions, but you're restricting what platforms I can play a series that's always been available on my other platform. It, they already have issues dealing with their ethos and sticking with it, but I do think that would be a stretch too far for them to want to try and work around, and it would get enough voices up that I don't know if they'd want it, to... It's, it's interesting because... I don't think they'd want to deal with that, but they also could use that as just ammunition in the gun for, well, the only reason it's like this is because Sony wants a certain take of their thing. So we can't have it be a shared subscription because Sony wants to be able to get so much money out of it. And we can't do cross progression and cross save because of it, it can, they can try and paint a target on Sony's back, which could open Sony to be like, Hey, you made these decisions, if that is the reason why, it can create the same thing we're seeing with Call of Duty Gate right now, where both companies are just essentially being far too open about what the other people were doing (laughs) in in relation. To be fair, it's also always possible that Microsoft wants it on there so bad to collect, to get 20 million of the 100 players that they're like, okay, instead of doing a percentage of the Game Pass description, we'll give you a dollar for every person who, every month someone subscribed to Game Pass in general. You know, maybe that's cheaper overall. Maybe. I don't know. And I don't know if Sony would want that whenever it... The other side I always think about is that like it incentivizes the person to go to Xbox, which ultimately Sony... If you're on Sony's machine and then you take the dive and you go into Game Pass and it is a shared subscription it incentivizes you to spend less on PlayStation Store, which is exactly what we saw Sony do with the Epic Games situation with Fortnite and what they did for cross-play across the board, which is we you have to pay us a certain amount of what we lost by being multi-platform or being cross-play because people bought that they could have bought on our store, they bought it on someone else's store, even if they primarily played on ours. And it creates very interesting dynamics between monetization um, but you know, we can, I don't think there's much need to speculate too much longer. It will be interesting to one day see what happens, Yeah, but let's monetize the next piece of news. Let's monetize that bad boy. All right. So in more EA news, EA motive, the team behind star Wars battlefront two's single player campaign and the upcoming dead space remake have announced a new project. The team announced that in conjunction with Marvel, they are working on an iron man single player game. The game is in pre-production and is a third person action adventure, which I think is the right call for the type of game that is, um, if you're part of the discord, you probably potentially already saw this conversation. Uh, but I, I'm not surprised, nor do I even think that they should have, but Anthem was such an a close... Like, everybody always talked about the one thing that Anthem for sure had going for it is that the flight felt awesome and it felt like an Iron Man thing. So I'm not surprised that it's not Bioware working on this, but much like uh, Rude Cold said, I would be surprised if they're not looking at some of Anthem's code and design and are going to translate some of that into this new game because you already have such a solid foundation towards something that is so close to an iron man suit why would you not just reuse that when it's probably going to be on uh, um, frostbite engine anyway take that system 
adapted to be a little more Iron Man like, voila, you've got a solid foundation to build your game on top of. But this is cool. I'll play an Iron Man game. I know you would. I know you would, Chris. <laughs> and yet you you didn't play Iron Man VR, did you? No, I did. Okay, you did. I knew you bought it. I just didn't know if you ever got around to playing it. I didn't beat it or anything, but I played it. It was fun. How much did you play of it? I was wondering how good it was. I played like through the tutorial and maybe the first level. I didn't play a ton of it, but the tutorial is enough to see what the game is. You know, fly and shoot. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fly really fast. Yeah. Anyway, continue. How what how what time do you think this game will be coming? If they're just now announcing it and we're still talking Dead Space remake, what is like a twenty twenty four game? Twenty five? Twenty five. It's in pre production. <laughs> I don't know, man. I know that games keep getting more and more bold about being announced too early. But I I don't know if shareholders, baby. Maybe. I'm gonna I'm gonna be optimistic and say twenty four. Okay. I'm going to be pessimistic and say this might mean Dead Space sucks. <laughs> Whoa. Is that a hot so take? I mean, what are you what's the take? Let's let's unpack that for a second. The take is like some super conspiracy theory bullshit that the the stakeholders aren't happy with Dead Space, so they announced a Marvel property that is guaranteed to sell well no matter what the quality is to offset the, the stocks. Just saying, you know, it, I hope it's, I hope I'm wrong, but Isaac talks now. So it's not the same game. <laughs> so doesn't mean, you know what I'm saying? I, it's listen. a reimagining. Why are you even calling it a remake? Oh God. Just like that little mermaid. They reimagined the little mermaid. Now I'm upset. <laughs> We're going to go what, buy sir? some diesel fuel. Let's go. You reimagine these nuts in your mouth. <laughs> oh, anyway. Speaking of these nuts in your mouth, Sony has uh, these nuts in your mouth with PSVR too. Sony has put their metaphorical nuts in the mouths of many hopefuls for PSVR two, as they have announced that PSVR two will not be compatible with PSVR one titles. Surprise, surprise. Um, I genuinely it- say that with the right level of offhandedness because. I don't think this was a surprise. I've said since day one that this is not going to happen. And yet, here we are, exactly as I expected. The Twitter sphere and a little bit of the Facebook sphere were not happy. Uh, Now, I'll, I'll, I'll give them this much. Sony did the worst job of explaining why. And I think it's because they're trying to have a statement that can just work for everybody who doesn't necessarily know about the tech details, but this just seems like a bad wording. So their announcement is PSVR 2 has much more advanced features like all new controllers with haptic feedback and adaptive triggers and inside-out tracking. That's the key word, even though they don't really make it. Uh, Eye tracking in the headset, 3D audio all coming together, of course. So this means developing PSVR 2 requires a whole different approach from the original PSVR. There doesn't seem to be much reason. That's the end of that quote. There doesn't seem to be much more 
uh, reason that the PSVR titles couldn't be ported over. And a lot of indications right now seem to point that that will be what's happening for some of the bigger titles, which is exactly what I anticipated. Uh, I think we'll either see games get sequels where they include the best parts of the original game in it, which is what it looks like we're seeing with uh, Firewall Zero Hour. You're going to get the same maps and contractors in a new game with more stuff. Bam, you don't even got to worry about Firewall Zero Hour. You can basically play that game in the new game. Um, but I think you'll see games like Astrobot Rescue Mission ported over. Uh, I think you'll see games like Blood and Truth, which was a pretty ambitious title, uh, ported over. So some of the bigger titles you'll definitely see. Um, but with these things in mind, the key thing that they really didn't spend enough time on is explaining the difference between inside-out tracking and what this is, so no marker, it's called markerless inside-out tracking, where there's nothing physical that you have to set in the room for the markers to take note of. Instead, it just uses the controllers and cameras to kind of fill what's out around you and then uses sensors for depth to figure out how far things are, much like what the Oculus Quest 2 does. Um, then you have the PS Vita original, which is outside-in marker-based tracking where unlike most of those even that had multiple cameras that could then point out and look at what it was needing to find you had a single camera tracking lights that they would have had to have put onto this headset which would have weighed it down more been more power consumption they would have had to do something to i say had right there's a lot of ways that things can go but essentially they're so different that Sony's only options were to include the physical things into the PSVR. So you can say, well, PSVR 2 will still have LEDs on it. Um, and you'll be able to use the PS camera to track those lights. But a lot of those things are hard to do. So the other option, right, would be software emulation. You set up things that say, well, pretend that the distance that the head the set is reading of the controller from your hand you know, to where the controller's at. Let's take that data and find a way to extrapolate it and tell the computer that that's actually the data from where the PS Move controller's LED would be. And then the headset, whenever it moves a certain direction, have that emulate itself out and switch into a set of data that can try and be an approximation of what the camera would be saying, oh, that's where the headset is, and bring these together. But we don't know how difficult that would have been to do. We don't know how cost-effective that would be to do, and we don't know if it, if it would introduce any kind of lag or anything that would worsen the VR experience. So here we are. They can't patch every game, which is one of the options. Patch games to include inside-out tracking. Some games you may see do that. Other games you may just see port. But Sony can't do it with everything, and I think that this has always been the move. Chris, do you have any more you want to add on that? This has been a very hot topic for the week. I think this was like a very obvious thing if you were paying attention at all. Like it's a com mm -hmm. the thing I'm surprised about, I guess. Not really, but a little. It's like they didn't make it so that you could plug in your PlayStation camera and the move wands and use it. But it's an entirely new system, so I'm not surprised. <sighs> well, you can, right? What? You Oh, you no, can. no, no. I mean and use the PSVR2 headset. Well, the the real thing comes in there is that at that point, if that really was their solution, they would have to include LED lights on the VR again, the outside unit. Right. Because everything else, you're right. 
But if if the only new thing you're getting to benefit from is the headset, at what point is it just better to have the PlayStation 4 camera, the PS Move ones, and the actual PS4 headset for PSVR 1? You're one piece away. You're right. There's nothing stopping the system from sending the video output for the game to the new headset. But there's not... In the current design, there's not a tracker system mm-hmm. for that camera to pick up on. So it's uh, it's weird. I think that this would be a lot different if PS5 wasn't backwards compatible with PSVR 1 as an entire standalone unit. That's fair. But it is. So in many ways, if you have PSVR 1 and you want to play it, now I get people go, well, I didn't get to play these games and I wanted to play them. But ideally and what's most likely going to happen is you're going to get to play a better version of this game that has better tracking because let me tell you right now i like vr i i don't want to say i love i loved certain vr experiences i like vr as a whole playstation vr is the worst vr i've played and i still think that there was as there was times when it was great and there's times when you would get so frustrated because the tracking was awful. Your head would start moving when you weren't doing anything. You're, you'd be aiming with the guns and suddenly they wouldn't even be where they originally were. and You'd have to recalibrate everything. It was loose and sloppy. I don't want to do that. I don't think anybody really wants to do that. What you want is to play the same games with the new smooth tracking on a console, which is what most people are going to get anyway. Whether or not there'll be charged updates, free upgrades, re-releases of games, who knows? And I imagine that it'll probably be a mix of them all. Uh, I've pretty much maintained that I have a very strong feeling that Capcom is going to re-update Resident Evil 7's PS5 version with PSVR 2 support. And it'll basically be exactly what you played on PSVR 1, but with inside-out tracking and much like Resident Evil 8 VR mode has, instead of just having to use the controller like you did on um, PlayStation 4, you'll be able to use the actual new controllers and have hand-based tracking where you can pick things up in the world instead of using the controller. I'm willing to put $20 on that. (laughs) Okay. $20 sounds good to me. All right. So you're going to bet against me on this one? Sure, might as well okay. for the fun of hey, it. Hey, yeah, someone's show. throwing twenty dollars out, right? Not yeah, <laughs> at some point. For, yeah, it makes the show better. <laughs> yeah. So PSVR struggles aside, a lot of people are going to have a lot of hot takes about it. Would it have been ideal for them to have a way to make it work? I absolutely. But from day one, when they announced inside outside inside out tracking, I have told everyone, don't expect backwards compatibility. I'm technically vindicated here, <laughs> but. At what I think, cost? What's up? I think the people who are freaking out just don't have a concept of how this stuff works. I'm going to be real. Well, I have a question for you because uh, Rude Days you know. 93, he was saying that, I'm curious as to your take. He was saying like, he feels like Sony needed to explain the tech thing of it. But while I kind of agree, I'm torn on whether that would have helped enough to make it really worth it because the people who will understand or care to dig into the tech side of it probably already know why it won't work. And the people who don't understand the tech side of it and don't really want to know are just going to read the headline that says PSVR 2 not compatible with PSVR 1 games. And they're going to go, this is bullshit. 
Right. Like, do you do you think they should have that Sony should have had Mark Cerny or somebody be like, hey, this is the old tracking. It used this as a marker for this, as a marker for this, and these things came together and get real technical. Or is it just better to tell people what what matters? And what no. matters is that PSVR one games don't work. Right. Tell them what matters because let's be honest. I bet, I bet one percent of the video game population watched that Mark Cerny thing about the PS5, and then. One percent of that one percent understood what the hell he was talking about. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? The technical showcase he did. Yeah, yeah, I know he's talking about. I'm actually going to go look out of curiosity uh, because I would. How many views? I, I definitely. 100K. Yeah, but that's you my think bet. So? It's hundred k. I wouldn't be surprised by less than hundred k. Let me find out. I'm, I'm thinking it's in the millions. <laughs> Holy shit! You ready? Yeah. And I, I thought it was in the millions. 16 million. Okay. Now, I agree with one thing of you, right? 16 million watched it because they're hyped for PS5. Yeah. Of those 16 million, how many understood to even a small degree what he was talking about? 1%. Which I'm in that, right? I understood a good bit of what he's talking about. And then how many people had a strong understanding of everything he talked about in that showcase? Very, very, very probably half a percent. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet that 100K of that 16 million people had a slight understanding of what he was saying. And those are 100K engineers. So I don't think it had, <laughs> I, I don't think it mattered if they'd said everything, they said exactly it in technical terms. People have been like, well, they waste our time with this mumbo jumbo that doesn't mean anything instead of just telling us it doesn't work. So it would have just been the opposite. Just damned say it doesn't do, work. Damned if you don't. It doesn't yeah. work. Buy it. You're going to buy it anyway. Or you're not, right? Like if you already know you're not going to buy it, there's not much they're going to say to tell you. But I have, it's one of those things. Do you ever wish that on the internet you could just like check back in on people and like check, click, hit them beside someone's name? Because some, some people would be like, well, I was interested in PSVR too, but now I'm not. Count me out. And I'm like, I just want to like take your username down and in a year and a half from now, check to see if you bought a PSVR too. Because if you did, at some point, it's like, why are you even worried? Exactly. I completely agree with that. It's either it's either that you never intended on buying one and you're just trying to get, you know, your your gamer standpoints of I bet I stand for the gamers that don't have a lot of money and want to be able to play their games again. It's like as we've said a lot of times lately, gaming is a luxury hobby and VR is the fucking crux of the luxury <laughs> for the console side. It's you buying a $500 console and what I guarantee you will be $499 VR headset. Exactly. What about that? Are you telling me that you can't afford? If I'm, I'm being serious here. Are you telling me that in that situation, you can't afford the PSVR 2 version of Moss 1? Well, here's the thing. Maybe which you I guarantee can't, you is coming. Maybe you can't, but you shouldn't have bought PSVR 2 if you can't afford the $20 Moss version of PSVR yeah. 2 version. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting. This is not a financial advice podcast. We are not offering financial advice. <laughs> That's true. We are not. Uh, <laughs> my last thing on that is, and Chris, I don't know how much of the VR library you played. I played even less than some people, but I've played like a good 30 or 40 PSVR titles. Um, I would say most of the PSVR 1 library is not worth playing again. 
I would agree. Or even playing for the first time this many years later. I think the majority of the library was only impressive in context of the year that it came out on fledgling hardware. I would argue play play Job Simulator. Job Simulator is fun, right? But you play it once. You play it like you spend like six hours with Job Simulator and you're done. You really, it's not a game you go back to because it's it's an experience. And that becomes the thing is like, do you really want to play Until Dawn? What was it? Carnage? I can't remember the name of the Rush of Blood. There you are. Yes. Um, I had it. I owned it. I bought it. It wasn't that good. It was interesting. You know what games are memorable? Firewall Zero Hour. Guess what? All of that content available in the new Firewall. Great. Resident Evil 7. One of the best VR experiences on the console. Guess what? Resident Evil 8. Same type of experience, different game. Very likely you're going to be able to play Resident Evil 7 again, but better. Awesome. Astrobot's Rescue Mission, guarantee you, definitely with how many people like the pack-end game, Astro's Playroom, that you're going to get to do that again. You're going to play that VR2 version, as well as probably a sequel. The reality is, is that most of the games are going to either get ported and, you're, and you'll be able to play them, or they weren't worth playing realistically five years after release. Exactly. When 2% of your VR library is actually worth porting, why does this matter? And I know that that makes me the arbiter of who gets to say what is and isn't worth playing, but I'm telling you. T- uh, let me tell you this much right now. For sake of comparison. Yeah, compare it. How much of the P- of the PS1 library... What percentage of the PS1 library do you think would actually be something that most people would play and still enjoy today? Three and a quarter. Yeah. Yeah. So 0.03125? Yeah. Yep. 0.03125. I think I agree with you. But I think this goes back to my point that backwards compatibility overall as a concept is extremely overrated. It is because in the majority of the library. Now, don't wrong. Is it great that you get to? Absolutely, and I love the idea that you can play anything. Yeah, and not for nothing. It. I'm playing the PS4 version of Red Dead Redemption Two because there's not a PS5 version. So, well, yes, but it's also backwards compatible. So, yes, <laughs> but yeah, it's important. I'm glad that it's there, but in the long run. The, not enough people use backwards. Honestly, more people probably use backwards compatibility now than ever because of the fact that it's on both consoles and the both consoles launched with kind of small libraries that were cross-gen. Uh, we had numbers that you could look at and most of the people on Xbox did not use backwards compatibility. And if you look at the library size, I think it's the percentage of what the 360 and original Xbox's library that's even playable in that backwards compatibility form is incredibly low. It's probably the only titles that are worth really revisiting. That doesn't mean that you can't like a title that doesn't show up there. I love a lot of weird titles that I love to play again. But for the most part, you don't play them because you move along to the next new thing. So the the age-old rule is that if you want to play something, Buy it, own it, and keep it forever so that no one can ever tell you when you can and can't play it. I completely agree. And guess what? If Chris wants to play Fallout New Vegas and watch as his game turns to one frame per second on PS3, he can. I 
damn well will too because it's got trophies. <laughs> you dirty, dirty trophy whore. You. Hey, listen, man. Me and 7.25% of the player base have that trophy. Bam. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Next thing up. Uh, Resident Evil 4 remake appears to be coming to the past gen. The outdated and handicapped machine, God, Chris, seems to be <laughs> receiving the title at launch in March. To note, PS4, not Xbox One something to think of uh capcom announced that they'd be showing more of the game during an, during an october showcase when they'll seemingly announce this with even more details on the title so yeah ps4 and ps5 will be getting it but as far as xbox only series s and x will be getting it um which i think is pretty telling to how poor the xbox one did and how important the gaming industry and market still view the ps4s hundreds of millions you know hundreds um, yeah, really, hundred million plus units that are out there as potential sales. Uh, I get it. Also, I think that this probably shows that Resident Evil Eight probably did really well on PS4. Probably, yeah. Probably did best on PS4. Kill the past, bury it. Here's the thing, though, right? If I'm being honest about the type of game that Resident Evil Four is. If they're not massively redesigning the entire game, this is one of the few times where I actually don't know if being on PS4 will hold the PS5 version back. Because unless you're suddenly making the game have wide open spaces, Mm -hmm. you're not pushing the console to its limit anyway, which is not a bad thing. Yeah, but I was hoping to see them push the PS5 console to its limit. You know, well, yeah, but that's what I mean is why couldn't they? They should have so much overhead on PS5 from the, you know, from the PS5. Honestly, this would be one of the few examples, I think, where you have a true example of make the game for PS5, port it back to PS4, and just turn some of the settings down. This is probably exactly what's happening here. And sometimes that's the case. A lot of the games are games that are big open worlds, and you're like, how do they do that? And you, you notice it more like you know you you can notice differences in foliage and stuff like that in a game like horizon forbidden west even though they did a great job but i think this will be the shining example of resolution frame rate maybe slight like lower shadow quality but the game will probably be gorgeous on ps5 serviceable and pretty solid looking on ps4 i would agree i just don't like it i get it because you don't like that back of your head what could it have been, right? Well, it's that, and it's also the, I spent 500 goddamn dollars on this machine, and... Well, what about the guy who spent $500 on his PS4 10 years ago and was like, I want this fucking thing to last me 10 years? Sucks to suck, dog. Stop being poor. Buy a PS5. <laughs> I'm joking, mostly. But buy a PS5, Most. Blake. Anyway, what's the next piece of news? <laughs> PlayStation Studios have cast David Harbour in their Gran Turismo movie. Uh, the movie is a, quote, wish fulfillment, end quote, movie about a teenage Gran Turismo player who wins Nissan-backed competitions that get him to be a professional driver. Harbour will be playing a retired driver who mentors and teaches the gamer. And, you know, a, a long time back, whenever they kind of talked about this, and I didn't see that, and I wondered what a Gran Turismo movie might be like. 
I think this is actually a good idea. I'm not opposed. I think that if you want to make this a gaming movie, but you still want to play around it, this is something that does happen in the real world. And I've always been enamored by the fact that people can get so good at driving in a simulating game that they can then become real racers. And I think this is a pretty cool way to, uh, to do it. I agree. I like that they're making a movie out of the concept of the tester. Basically, but <laughs> kind of. <laughs> you remember that David Jaffe episode? No, I never watched the tester. Oh, really? No, I just know it existed. I, hold on. Let me make sure. I'm pretty sure that's it, right? Because uh, that's yeah, the name. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, David Jaffe, because they also had Ego Raptor or whatever his name is from Game Grumps on the episode are in the same season as David Jaffe. It's very interesting. I didn't watch a lot of it, but I watched some of it. So there we are. Uh, all right. So one of the big meaty parts of the news in what would appear to be the biggest leak in video game history, a three-year-old Grand Theft Auto 6 leaked out. Now, I want to stop right there for a second. This goes to show you how long Grand Theft Auto 6 has been in development despite Rockstar often saying that it was not in development. Game developers and publishers do not want to have all their cards on the table. As far as the news would make you think, they started work on Gran Turismo 6, like, oh, Gran Turismo, good Lord. Grand Theft Auto 6, <laughs> about a year and a half ago, but clearly well before that, as is expected. Uh, you don't want to have one of your big things sitting there not getting worked on. Makes sense. Um, anyway, the leak included 90-plus videos and images of the game in development. The leaker, who goes by teapot tuber was trying to negotiate a deal with rockstar until the heat on him turned up with his age and location turning up on the internet he said that he had the source code for grant of auto five and six but that threat was seemingly an empty threat as teapot has gone into a pay and spray and dis- i think he meant pray and spray no i did not okay and disappeared um we recently suffered, so this is the, the statement that Rockstar put out uh, in response to this. It took them a little bit, but they said, we recently suffered a network intrusion in which an unauthorized third party illegally accessed and downloaded confidential information from our system, including early development footage for the next Grand Theft Auto. At this time, we do not anticipate any disruption to our live game services, nor any long-term effect on the development of our ongoing projects. We are extremely disappointed to have any details of our next game shared with you all in this way. Our work on the next Grand Theft Auto game will continue as planned, and we remain as committed as ever to delivering an experience to you, our players, that truly exceeds your expectations. We will update everyone again soon, and of course, we'll probably properly introduce you to this next game when it is ready. We want to thank you, uh, thank everyone for their ongoing support through this situation. So, clearly a lot of PR speak of what you'd expect, uh, but at the key of things, it brings to light something that I've seen a lot of people say. And you know, I'm kind of indifferent about leaks, clearly, because we talk about them on the show sometimes. Not all the time. I think we tend to kind of juggle um, it. But leaks are a really interesting thing because I've seen a lot of people share the sentiment that it takes away the ability for the creator to show you the product, even in an unfinished state, but in a way that's true to what they, what their vision is, right? Even when you're not complete with something, you can find a way to showcase it in a way that can get your vision by, across to people in a way that you feel good about 
and that you feel like shows the best possible form of what you're working toward while letting players get a vision and an idea of what you want it to look like. And those kind of things can come together in a way that mostly jives. Uh, and a lot of negative opinions came about from a leak of a game that's still in development. Now, Chris, I am curious yeah, to hear hi. your thoughts on the leak and as a, as a whole. But before I do that, I want to go back to your reactions because I think it's important. Do you remember, and I had reactions as well, both of us did, to Redfall's leak mm-hmm. where we saw the game looking very rough. And I remember when you saw that, you were like almost instantly like, this looks like garbage. Yeah. All right. Now, I too thought, yeah, this looks rough. Also clearly an unfinished game. But I remember the thing that I took away from that was not that the game was going to be bad because it looked bad at the moment, right? For me, it was more that when I saw the game, I didn't even think it immediately looked like uh, like I'm not going to like the game. But it definitely felt like the game was different than I was anticipating. And That's so what it, it was for me. It, it hit me in the sense of, oh, not not visually, but like the style of gameplay is not what I was anticipating. Well, yeah, because I think those those leaks came out before we knew it was a live service game, but it was only rumored. So once I saw those leaks and I was like, oh, this is a live service game, I was like, this sounds like garbage. You know? Yeah, it definitely gave me pause. So I can understand that, but that's also a new IP that's harder to suss out what's going on. So I can see how a leak for that would potentially shake some people up and be like, oh, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I thought. And it could potentially hurt the game because it's, it is indeed something without a known quantity is being shown in its absolute worst form. But I've seen people blowing up about Grand Theft Auto 6 and I've looked through not all of them because I'm not a big Grand Theft Auto fan uh, anymore at the very least. But everything about this leak looks like a mid-development Grand Theft Auto game. Mm-hmm. And I guess from there, I have a hard time understanding where the complaints are coming from. Uh, definitely because I've seen people like, graphically, it doesn't look that good. I'm like, it's a mid-development game. Are they supposed to have the final graphics that you're going to see done at the very beginning of the game? Like, do you think that's the development process? All right, guys, I've made every piece of art and graphics that you need for this game that you haven't written a story for. You don't have any idea of what the main gameplay loop is, but I've created all of the art and graphics uh, and you'll never have to talk to me again for the rest of development. <laughs> well, yeah, because people, I mean, people probably think like playing video games is like writing the story in a Word doc and copying and pasting that in. But I think the biggest problem with GTA 6 specifically is that it is the single most casual video game of all time, or the franchise, video game franchise of all time. GTA 5 is the most casual game ever. No, 100% is because it sold what, 100 billion copies? Yeah. So it is by What's the actual number? The it's like 160 plus 160 million, right? 160 something, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, as of August 2022, 170 million. Right. So you think about a, a hundred, and three of those are me. So 170 million people play game, play that game. 19 million people played God of War 2018. Yeah. It's the single most casual game in this industry, which means the people on Twitter who are looking at that game don't understand that it's a alpha version of a three-year-old alpha version of a game that's probably still in alpha. 
they mm-hmm. just look at it and go, why does GTA pre-alpha is what it was in. Now it's probably an alpha. <laughs> Either way, they look at that game and they're like, this looks like shit. Cause they, why, why do they give a shit what, what development looks like? They play GTA six cause or GTA five cause cargo fast room room and they buy shark cards. That's it. Yeah. So I don't expect them to know anything. That's why I thought the conversation making fun of people was a little disingenuous because it's like I you you know these people don't know what they're talking about. You're like, oh, this is why this is why gamers suck because they don't understand. This is why devs don't show stuff. Dog, the people talking shit about GTA would not watch a a, a video documentary about the making of GTA. They wouldn't. Yeah, true. Just like if, a, let's say Abandon was real, right? And Hassan had taken the advice of putting out concept footage to show the game, like of in-development footage. The people who are don't understand what, what is going on in the GTA 5, 6 images and, and videos are the people who would not watch that kind of video. They don't give a shit about how they're structuring the AI or why Arthur Morgan is in the middle of this you know, or it was like while wow, Rico is shooting at a Lego. Um, what's the thing from that picture that Blake sent us? Oh yeah, Horizon. Right. Yeah, it looks like Lego Agumon from Digimon, where it's like it's like a dinosaur made up of colored blocks. Because right. all it is is like we're trying to get scale down, gameplay mechanics down. What the fuck does it matter what this robot dinosaur looks like? Yeah. So we just we we throw a kill zone character with a gun in so we can get scale down and understand gameplay mechanics, and then later we can figure out do we want it to be bows? Do we want it to be guns? Yeah. All right. So none of the people who are whining are the people who would care. So I don't understand the hu- the hubbub. Like, why are people in games industry like, oh, I have to explain to. Craig Craig sucks 1,872 what a video game in development looks like. There's no reason. It's like, let the people who think this stuff is cool care and let the people who are talking shit go back to playing 2K and then when GTA 6 comes out, they're going to buy it anyway because it's going to look sick and they're going to they're gonna send out some tweet that's like, oh, I, GTA 6 looked like crap before. I'm so glad it looks awesome now and then it's over. I mean, that's fair. That will clearly be what comes of it. And the real thing here is I've seen a lot of developers, and I can understand a developer being on the other side, definitely someone like Neil Druckmann saying, like, leaks suck. Well, they do. And leaks do suck. It sucks for everyone. Because it kind of... We all know Grand Theft Auto 6 is being worked on. It's interesting because we're we're viewing all this through the lens of probably one of the most high-profile games that can get leaked. Right. So this is probably the game that's going to impact the least. I really doubt that there's some there is like large millions of people who are now not going to buy Grand Theft Auto Six when it comes out because they saw these leaks. That's first thing. I think that new IP and smaller studio IP have a higher chance of something like this potentially hurting anticipation and excitement for the game. But Grand Theft Auto 6 has the has such a huge <laughs> expectation. Not even expectation. It just has goodwill from Grand Theft Auto 5 behind it. People are going to go into it because of the fact that it's Grand Theft Auto. They know what they get. It's a casual game. It's kind of like we talked about with Call of Duty. Grand Theft Auto has become a machine in which 
one person buys it. They want to play it with all their friends. They talk to all their friends about it. Their friends buy it. And it just has built itself up to be this monster that continues to do well because it's self-feeding. Um, so this game is going to impact... Grand, or this leak is going to impact Grand Theft Auto 6 probably less than any leak has ever impacted any game. Um, I think that this is impacting the devs probably less because for the most part, it's pretty easy to look at it until it's not finished. So for the no one's worried about that. I think the biggest takeaway that's happening right now, and it's not even that large, is everyone complaining about the protagonist. Oh, people are complaining about the protagonist? Yes, Chris, people are complaining about the protagonist. Would you like to join them? Yes, but not for the reason that people think. I have no problem <laughs> playing as a woman. Yeah, he I, played near Automata, guys. I, I, yeah, I did. Um, I hated every play. second of it. So, Chris, your track record's not looking too good because if I remember right, you also quit playing uh, Horizon Forbidden West. What is it? I, Do you hate women? N- you know, I got to say, I love bitches. <laughs> 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 I'm urban. I can say that. Anyway, my point. Oh my God. <laughs> Choice word. Continue. Continue, sir. I love women. I played Fallout as a woman. You play every game that you can choose to be a woman as a woman. As a woman, 100% of the time. Um, yep. I don't want to play as a Latina woman because you know that game is going to be so annoying. <laughs> You know what it makes me think of? Oh, this, huh. is, this is bad. Have you ever seen Four Brothers? Yes, a great movie. You know uh, Tyrese Gibson, whatever his name is? The, yeah, the actor, the, the one, one who plays... Eva Mendes. Yeah, Eva Mendes in that movie is just so overbearing and annoying as shit and causes so much trouble between them. And that's her entire character role in that movie. Yep. That's it. Uh-huh. Is to be, to be the annoying... Latina girlfriend. That is exactly. I I almost wonder if that was like before they had a name for the character. That was like the casting call. (laughs) Like even Mendez reading for annoying Latina girlfriend. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) But no, here's the the thing that it comes down to. And I think that this is probably where you're going is for some reason. And honestly, if any game is going to do it, Grand Theft Auto makes the most sense. (laughs) Sadly. But stereotypes, the issue is that there's a high chance that they're going to play into stereotypes here. And if they do play into stereotypes, for some reason, Hollywood and and media have decided that when you have a Latino female, she's going to be like kind of sassy. Yeah. And she's going to lead into all of these, these stereotypes that have for some reason been created around them. Now, I'm not too familiar with them, but Chris, you, good sir, are... um, of the Latina, uh, what, what would that be? Uh, Latino. Descent? Yes, I am a yeah, Latino. Descent. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I I say it mostly as a joke, but everyone has seen like no, knows what I'm talking about. But it's, it's a joke. Like I don't particularly care. But yeah, that game <laughs> that game's probably going to be super annoying at times. Like they're going to get into fights, and I'm going to want to blow my head off. But are you so? Are you personally worried about them following a stereotype? Or really, I should say this: Do yeah, you think they will follow a stereotype? And and if so, is it a oh, bad thing? Is it an, is it inherently star. bad? They're a hundred percent going to follow the stereotype. No, because yeah. look, I grew up around Latina women. They are like that, and it's going to get annoying. 
<laughs> it just is like you're going to be playing that game for 40 hours and there's going to be times where she's just yelling in the background and it's fine that's the character it's great i'm excited to see the story it's just going to get grading i don't talk to half of my <laughs> my i don't talk to my family on that side for a reason okay oh. last time i saw one of my latina cousins she stood on a grave and yelled at us for not hanging out more fuck that shit <laughs> She stood on someone's grave. Yes, it was at and a funeral. It was funeral. like, you know what? Yeah. Oh man. Because we didn't hang out more, we didn't contribute enough, and I'm like, I don't know your name. Can I go back to work? <laughs> oh no. Oh, that's rough. Um, Look, yeah, I think GTA Six looks really cool. Um, the the stuff that I saw looked like a lot of fun. The gunplay looks good. Uh, Lu- Lucia's got ass. Honestly, yeah, yeah she does. Woo, she got, I saw that thing that Blake shared earlier. That like there's two types of gamers, and it was like <laughs> one is like can't believe they're having a woman protagonist, and the other was like about that leak though, and it's just pictures of her ass. Yeah, everywhere. like cake, cake, cake. Like I'm eating that yeah. ass like groceries. What was it? Grand Theft Auto Cake City. Yeah, <laughs> cake on cake, baby boy. No, but you know what's funny is. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, right? It, we we saw that as a leak, but for everyone complaining about that, real question: In what we heard most recently, that you're basically going to get to choose to be either the the Bonnie of the of this dynamic that they're doing a Bonnie and Clyde is what they're saying the story's going to be like, and you can choose to be the Bonnie or the Clyde. So, at what point does it matter if you can choose? It's like oh, I'm sure it happened, right? When people played Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I'm sure someone was like, why the fuck are they making it to where I can play as a girl? Because if you can play as a girl, why does it matter? Right. If you can play as a guy. Now, my complaints for situations like that is I, I always prefer games that give you, and this is still kind of in between, right? I prefer games that give you established characters. I, I don't like character creation tools because... You can give your guy such odd characteristics and cool things that go on, but the story cannot account for them at all because you just made some random thing. It can't mm-hmm. be like the story can't reference like, reference the fact that you have a scar under your right eye because of something that happened in your past because the game can't account for the fact that you're going to put a scar under your eye. And that's just reasonable. But I would rather have a story about a guy who has distinctive character traits like visually that they can then use. Like what is... Kratos is far more interesting because you make him pale as shit than you say, oh yeah, his family got burned and their ashes are applied to his skin <laughs> as a fucking means for carrying the, the weight of his guilt for what he's done. That's way cooler than being like, here's God of War, you get to make your own Kratos and then somebody makes their guy super pale and they're like, that's cool, the game doesn't really give a shit. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's my thing. But in this case, you get to choose one of two design characters that have things that they can play out and have backstories that have been planned and personalities that have been planned and you just choose which one you want to be part of. Right. I I, I think it's going to be a GTA 5 though where it's you play as Lucia then you play as I think it was Jason and then you play as... It wouldn't surprise me. That's what I think the story would be. It wouldn't surprise me um, but at the same time I would have thought that Rockstar would have started doing that because they got a good reaction to that. But then Red Dead 2 technically didn't do that. I guess technically it did. I don't want to yeah. go in. <laughs> but not really. Didn't do it the same way. Red Dead 2 is about Arthur. And I'm glad that it is because I don't... You know, like if that game was about you playing as Arthur, Micah, and Dutch, or even 
Arthur, John, and Dutch. I don't know. I kind of like it being limited to one person's viewpoint. Because, like, you know, that conversation that we were having uh, or that you, you and Blake were having and I saw was, like, the game uses its storytelling lens to set up how you feel about certain characters. And y'all are talking about, like, in that game, if Micah and Arthur had a better relationship, like, nothing else about Micah changed except for that he was cooler with Arthur would you think of him as such a bad character because your interactions with him personally were positive, even if the things he does are rather monstrous and that games can play a lot off of that. Now, of course there's times where games can play off of switching your role and saying, well, now you're this protagonist and you get to see the world through the lens of someone who's not rich and instead has had a rough history of drugs or something. And then we're going to flip you again. And now you get to see the world through the eyes of a businessman who made a few bad decisions and is, you know, now tied up in some gang stuff. Oh, now you get to play a kid who is always growing up, you know, on the streets. You can have interesting things with that, which I think is what Grand Theft Auto 5 is going for. Um, But not every game needs that. I'd be curious to see what they do. Uh, I think Red Dead is a worse game if you play as Micah and Dutch. I think so as well. Yeah. But that's also because I think that characters or players tend to sympathize with who they're playing as. Mm -hmm. And I think that the game would run the risk of sympathizing you to Micah and Dutch too much for it to ever pay off. Yeah. I mean, there's some interesting subtle stuff they could do. But I think the only way that would have worked in Red Dead is if you were playing as Arthur and John. Yeah, I could see that. But even even Arthur, John, and Dutch might have worked. But I'm really glad that they didn't do that because it also makes it to where each game is like, we're going to tell the story using the devices that makes the most sense for our game. Uh, and I have always liked the idea of games where you get to choose to be one of two characters, but you still get to see the other character and what they're doing play out. You're just seeing it through your lens as the character you chose to play with. So exactly. in this case, you could choose to see it through the Bonnie-like lens or the Clyde-like lens and and how that may differ. I also like when games take that and they slightly change dialogue and they do it as almost a way of like highlighting that different people hear things in different ways. Right. So it's like the way you perceive what someone said will be taken slightly differently. So they'll change a word to try and change your perception of it. I could, I think that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't think Dutch, I don't know. I like seeing Dutch from an outsider's point of view. I don't want to see I him. I agree. And I just think Micah is just annoying. I don't know. I don't I think, <laughs> speaking to what me and Blake were talking about, like I said, I don't think Micah gets really bad until he realizes that there's, you know, maybe some space to squeeze between Dutch and Arthur, so. There's a power vacuum. Yeah, we'll we won't. Yeah, we'll we'll. Me and Blake will do a spoiler chat eventually, and we'll talk about Red Dead more there. Brett, you're more than welcome to join in. Watch a watch a playthrough. <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't think I don't know that I would mind replaying it. But the only thing is, is that if we were going to do a spoiler chat on it, and I was to be involved, I would almost want to play the whole game because without saying too much. I was talking about how Guarma is really interesting because of how it changes the dynamics of the game. And I don't think you feel that unless you played around with the freedom the game gave you prior. That's yeah. Well, cause that was my, I remember my big worry when you got to that section, I was like, I have so much shit I'd, I need to do back at the, uh, back in the, um, in like Valentine, yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah. <clears throat> let's go back, but. 
yeah, but don't want to say too much more. Red Dead 2 is a good game. It really is. It's it's a very memorable game. I played it once and I still remember a lot about the game. And that's a good sign because, you know, sometimes, have you ever had this, Chris, where you go to play a game and it's a game that you always talk about how you love and then you go back to play it and you, you're replaying and you're like, I hardly remember any of this. Yeah, Red Dead. Because there was sh- in like the chapters I'd played before, I was like, yo, what? <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good point. Because I, I remember saying like, you're talking about how much you love this game right now. I'm like, but if that didn't carry you through last time, how are you forgetting these things? Because like, it's a very memorable game. But it, it does happen. You know, I'm sure if I were to play Days Gone right now, there's things I would be like, I don't remember this at all. Uh, but I, I actually really genuinely feel like if I played Red Dead 2 right now, yeah. I would remember 90% of it. I bet that's not true. You should play Red I'd Dead 2. We should do a spoiler check. I'd, I'd be curious. By the time you Y'all get through the campaign, I might, have, I might have the the Platinum. So start it now. I'll get the Platinum. You beat the game again. And then we'll do a spoiler chat. Blake's going to have to play it through again. Blake's the one who's in trouble. He's going to have to play it a third time in like a week. But given his rate of watching MCU movies, I think he can get through Red Dead again pretty quick. Yeah, I think he could do it in about three days. Yeah. Might have to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Chris, <laughs> unless there's topic. anything else you want to add on to this say. episode. Okay. We'll see you again. Uh, well, guys. Oh, Lord. Uh, all right, guys. So I guess on that, I think a good thing to say here is, I mean, the community's take can kind of be a mix if you want. It can personally be about your thoughts on what you saw of Grand Theft Auto 6. Um, but I think also, I'm curious to see everyone else's feelings about leaks. Do they... Do you enjoy seeing leaks? Does experiencing them hype you up for the game more? Do you like seeing that behind the scenes? Because I personally, I know I do. I've always been one to say that I like when games, like Hellblade did it, where they did like developer diaries and they would just show you parts of the game. I'm like, that is super cool. And it made me expire. Yeah. What's that came after the game? True. But it was still really cool. But I liked how Hellblade's... uh, development devs were just like through development. They were like, this uh, development diary is all about how we're trying to figure out how to make mocap work on a budget. And I was like, oh, this is super interesting. And if you look at it, it's like, this is crazy looking. And then the next game is like, well, we're, we have ideas of how we want to do combat where we can minimize HUD and you can just show. And I was like, this is super cool. And a lot of it was unfinished, but it was cool to see. And I am a good target for that because I like the nuts and bolts of how things are made. But for some people, I could see. So for you, you know, do leaks hype you up for the game? Do they? Do you dislike that they get shown to you in a less than stellar way? Do you have a preferred way for leaks? Do you per, would you prefer to not see them happen at all? All right. Well, guys, we will throw that out there. As we said, if you want to be part of the community's take, head over to us on social media. If you choose to partake in social media, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Triangle SQRD. You can find us on Facebook, Triangle Square, to PlayStation Podcast. It's a group asked to be entered there. Uh, you'll see the prompt come up on either of those, typically on Monday. Um, and you can respond with your answer or you can hop into the Discord, which is always in the link description, uh, the link in the description below. <laughs> um, and you can join in there and have a dedicated section to it, as well as just talking to us about everything, be it movies, music, games, whatever. We have a lot of fun talking with people in there. Uh, so without further ado, uh, 
we want to remind everybody that if you love the show so much that you just want to help us out a little bit more, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash nartech and give as little as a dollar per month. It is a huge help and we appreciate everyone who does it. Uh, and we hope that you have that energy coming up soon because uh, I've, I've heard a lot of you say the words vote with your wallet. Well, your your time is going to be coming, uh, but until <laughs> next week, we'll we'll kind of let you in all that Sounds on all that. Hopefully, next week. Yeah, do you think I should say I'm like a low? You you say you vote with your wallet. Yeah, please do it as Vin Diesel. <laughs> you say you vote. <laughs> I can't. Vin Diesel is actually kind of a weird, gravelly voice to do. You say you vote with your wallet. That just sounds like <laughs> zombie Vin Diesel. That sounds like. Kristen Bell's Batman trying to whisper. <laughs> you say you vote with your wallet. <laughs> but I vote with my parents' money. Where's my wallet? Where's oh, that that would have actually been a fantastic Capital One commercial series. Instead, you know the what's in your wallet, what's in your wallet, but <laughs> what's in my wallet? <laughs> actually, seven with uh, Brad Pitt. What's in the box? What's in my wallet? Yeah, that's pretty good. Man, too bad that they didn't have that going on back then, right? Hey, Capital One, if you want to reach out to uh, commercial stuff. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about, Chris? What didn't we talk about? Capital One? No, Sean Layden getting hired by Tencent. Yeah, I was typing up that news and I just kept being mean, so I just deleted it. (laughs) I'll say this. I always thought Sean Layden was a fairly, he read progressive to me. Mm. And I'm going to go quickly scroll up and find it because earlier, whenever they, he posted the tweet about it, it just struck me in kind of a weird way that his quote says, we are at an epoch defining moment in gaming and interactive entertainment. There are many possible roads ahead, but only a few of them are profound, broadening, inclusive, edifying, inspiring, and or substantial. I find it very, and I, 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 this is my exact response at the beginning of the morning when I was looking at this is that I know Tencent is not necessarily representative, a representative of the China government ideology, just as I don't think that like Disney or any U S based company should be representative of our ideology as a country. Um, But what I do find interesting is that someone who I think reads as progressive as him using the words broadening, inclusive and edifying in regards to a company whose home country of China is known for its severely lacking human rights is very interesting. And I brought mm-hmm. up that while you can look at Tencent not being representative of China, it's a little harder to shake to kind of flow with that thought because there's been a lot of instances where Tencent have been found working with the CCP and alongside them, uh, and that a lot of CCP people are involved in them. So, whatever your thoughts are on, you know, everything in relation to China is up to you and. And in the grand scheme of things, I'm, hey, if, if he's happy to be back in the gaming industry, I'm happy for him. But there's certainly something odd going on there. My thought on that was maybe Tencent will go against all of what I'm thinking and will actually be a good power for the industry and it will bring creative freedom for countries, uh, for studios that are outside of its country. 
uh, and that they really are just trying to get in and be a business because there's a lot of money in it. Maybe it'll be that. Maybe it will. But I don't know. It's Good hard luck, to imagine. Good luck, trader. So we'll see what comes of Tencent. But I think much like we talked about with this idea of PS4 holding back PS5 and that idea of what could this have been if it wasn't on PS4, I think that every game that Tencent puts out is going to have that thought in the back of your head of like what might have been in this game if it wasn't Tencent funding it. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what's happening right now with PlayStation. A lot of people are like, what might this game have been had PlayStation not been involved? Uh, um, and it's a good question, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see if anything substantial comes out that you can really point your finger at or not. But until then, I think next week we will, of course, go over what you guys think about leaking in the Grand Theft Auto 6 uh, controversy. Uh, but until then, Chris... Thanks for joining me, as that, always. Less than three hours, Brett. We did good. I know. I'm telling you. And let's uh, let's wish these people a good night and a good week and a good everything. If you're listening to this show, thank you. We hope everything works out good for you. Uh, shout out to our patrons. Just like Mr. Stingray X, our newer patron, uh, definitely upped his thing. Look at that. He's doing good stuff for us. Appreciate you. Uh, you can join him over on Patreon.com. Just as you can join, it's a sin to win a.k.a. Sean, who we heard from on this episode, Aztec King, Lechion69, The Lord Corgi, Salvador Garcia, Ham and Dagger, Bailey Robertson, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days 93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Danny Villiobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, Stephen Salazar, and Shadowist. Thanks to each and every one of you, and of course all of you who just listen to the show every week. We'll see you next week. Thanks, dog. <laughs>